Dry martini. Oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's. One of vodka. Half a measure of quinoa lily. Shake it over rice and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. This felt weird when we started, and now it feels like a normal. But it's oh, the, a, the the podcast itself it's a felt weird, weird normal we to feel. Yeah, sometimes you know? I, I I resensitize myself to how weird it is, and then it's weird how weird it's not become. <laughs> that I just get up in the morning like, oh, I'll just do some Daniel Craig stuff, you know, Google some things, make some Daniel Craig notes. What are we watching tonight? Well, I'll check the I'll check Craigslist <laughs> for what we're watching next. I'm yet except I'm um, Ashley watched the first half of Flashbacks of a Fool. All right, but that's the only thing that she sat through out of this whole thing. It's all just <laughs> that was, an Isaac activity. That was not the best choice. No, it wasn't. But she was in the room at the time. I'm like, okay, I guess this is what you're watching. And what did she think? Didn't have a good time. No. no. Emma walked through it a few times yeah. and so sort of commented. <laughs> Actually, no, I think she did start. She was sitting there at the beginning and then left quite quickly. <laughs> as soon as Eve wasn't in it anymore, she's like, yeah, it, yeah, well, there's no no use staying around. No Eve, no point. Ugh. How you been feeling, man? Feeling good. Yeah. Went out last night. On the town? Kind of. Okay. Listened to some music, met up with some people. But just the arduousness of QR coding wherever you go and arrival times and waiting for people to leave at a certain place so that there's a table big enough for us to go and sit at. Yeah. And then going to what is essentially a music event at a venue I've been to before where there's a lot of dancing going on and it's just an ocean of stools and chairs and you're not allowed to stand up and talk to each other. You have to be seated the whole time. Yeah. I don't know. Really, really knocked the wind out of it for me. It was out of my sails. I wasn't. I wasn't feeling it. We we ended up just trying to play uh, "Floor Is Lava" with all the chairs. Still cool. Yeah, which is kind of the most fun you can have. This well, year. staying on chairs. Yeah. yeah. Um, there the- were a few people doing very impressive chair dancing down the front. So they took their stool right by the speakers <laughs> and were doing as much dancing as you could do whilst legally still be seated. <laughs> still COVID safe. <laughs> Arses on chair. But they were also trying to get down. The force like being seated whilst watching music is only really suitable at like like smooth jazz or like in a cigar club. Like that's yeah. where it fits. If or, you're there to have a chat whilst whilst quiet music happens in the background. Yeah. Or my nemesis, Andre Rio. Exactly. And everyone knows what I think about that. On the record. Episode something or other. Episode something. The the Craig Keistadors will tell us. (laughs) They will. Remind us. (laughs) Which one was that when I got on a real tear about Andre? Well, I'm glad you had a good time at least-ish. How have you been? I don't know. Tums, you giving me a bit of grief this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, a bit of grumble in my tumble. Right, okay. Please mm. go into much more detail about that on the podcast. No, I don't think I need to. No? Okay. Yeah, no one needs to hear about the squizzard and the izzard, as they say. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Well, 
I don't think they need to hear about it. No, well, no. But that was. But that. I'm. I'm. It's pretty weird. We've heard as much about it as we have, <laughs> in a way. That's, that's. I don't know if that's good content, Isaac. I don't know if this. Is... Okay, sorry. I've been doing heaps of arts and crafts. People have paid for this. Arts and crafts. Uh huh. Um, you made that Jumanji box. Woodworking. I just got consulted about making a fence at my mate's place. Ooh. Which, which I'm hella keen to do because I have good ideas for a nice fence. Mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna get. Um, How ornate is it gonna be? Not. Overly, it'll be like... Each post whittled into a different figurine from Lord of the Rings. That could be cool. Doesn't suit one half of the relationship of the people who live there. Uh, well, just do it on one half of the garden. I'll just do it on the outside of all the posts. So oh, when no. you're nine, nine posts on both sides of the garden. One side is the fellowship, other side all ring wraiths. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't suit one of the people who live there. All right. I was just—it'll just be a nice utilitarian fence well, that looks good. Well, sue me for trying to brainstorm. Utilitarian? I don't know. That's—you're an artist, Isaac. <laughs> but yeah. You need to. I like. You I need like, to be, express yourself. I like being sought out for woodworking projects because who doesn't love a bit of woodworking? Um. Who doesn't? Ents. Just going on the Lord of the Rings thing. I mean, any work they do is technically woodworking. Uh, yeah, but if but when they talk about woodworking, it's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they saw an ant wife. I don't think ants if, work. If an ant wife walks past and he's like, damn, she's woodworking it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is what it's become. <laughs> I think that was a pretty good joke. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's all right. <laughs> Just imagine how it sounds from the outside, though. <laughs> you know? Uh, the only people who listen to this have already paid, so... Yeah. <laughs> Too late. Congratulations, Too <laughs> late. Uh, let, okay, so let's get into it. Patreon episode. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Exceptional Thieves. What are we talking about? Hey. So do this the whole time. Well, we could. Well, 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 welcome. We could talk in whatever accent we want. We could, let's let's try and do the whole thing in Newcastle accents. I can't do that. That would be... It'd well, have to be whatever you do and I would copy. I, I don't think I can do it either. <laughs> in, we could do it in like British accents. Yeah. But which, then you just speak normally. What? Okay, so what's a normal British accent? Yours. <laughs> <laughs> which is quite Australian in general anyway. British people sound like the British person I know. And that's what they sound like. Okay. Um... <laughs> I didn't even finish the intro. It's a, this is a podcast where Isaac and I review and rewrite movies. I'm Sam. And I'm Isaac. And this is our latest, I think this is like the seventh Patreon-only episode of Craigslist. Could be, yeah. Watching the entire filmography of Daniel Craig in the lead up to No Time to Die for No Reason. That's not the name of the film. No, we're, what are no we watching? No Time to Die for No Reason. Imagine that. <laughs> Actually, For No Reason is probably a cool James Bond title. Um, 007 for no reason. I think it feels like it is for like a second and then it breaks down. Well, so do most of them. No, I think they're pretty good. Octopussy. That's probably the worst one. But, you know. From Russia with love. Thunderball. They're all (laughs) all genitals, aren't they? The spy who shagged me. Oh, wait, that's something. No, that's different. Um, For your eyes only. Yeah. It's all... All of the Bond titles are sort of said with a kind of a look and an eyebrow razor. Mm. 
they all sound mm-hmm. like they're titles of like weirdly sophisticated porn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like really awkwardly high, sophisticated. High class pornography. pornography. Which some of them are in a way. Yeah. Yeah. All of the more, all of the old James Bond titles sound like they should have, if you know what I mean, after them. <laughs> <laughs> Thunderball, if you know what I mean. Doctor No, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> but we're not talking about a James Bond film. No, not today. We are talking the long-awaited episode on the landmark BBC television series Our Friends in the North. 1995? Uh, early 96. Okay. The story finishes in 95. It does, yeah. It was released in 1996. So this is kind of what, like... Sort of like rocketed Danny old, old Danny boy up to something. This was a very big deal in the career of Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I, for all of the main four, really. Um, so as, as the, it's primarily about four main characters, Daniel Craig, and they're played by Daniel Craig, Christopher Eccleston, Mark Strong, and Gina McKee. Yeah. So you've got James Bond, Doctor Who, the bad guy from Shazam. <laughs> And Gina McKee has done a lot of very good theatre work. I don't have a funny one for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, strong cast. Backed up by Alan Armstrong, David Bradley. Mm. Back in the Daniel Craig filmography again. Was just in Kiss and Quite Tell. Quite close, too. Now he's yeah. back. Yeah, they can't get enough of each other in 1996. <laughs> um, oh, in watching this. There? Oh, Donald Sumter, Malcolm McDowell. Peter Vaughan returning to the Daniel Craig filmography. Peter Vaughan. From, well, from Hotel Splendid and The Mother. I was in The Mother too, yeah. Mm, Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, plays a lot of old men in this time in his career. And fair enough, because he is well old. Yeah. Uh, What? I felt like you were winding up to something there. So I, I was, but I, I forgot was what it for is. You. Oh, I th- I thought about our last Patreon episode. Oh, did you? Kiss and tell. That's nice. Could one of the reasons that it was so shit be that they were Sorry, all doing Daniel. this at the time? <laughs> and it was just like a couple of days off to make a thriller? Maybe. Maybe it was just it was all the offense in the North people. <laughs> just were like, hey, we've got all these cameras here. Because I feel like Could we squeeze out another thriller. They were both a BBC thing though. Yeah. So, like, if this if this sucked up so much drama budget to make this big show, which it would have, and the, you think there was just no there was just no oxygen left for anything else in nineteen ninety six, so that's why you get they just basically got tell. the leftovers from this. Maybe. Like when when Daniel has, and you'll find out later on, he gets an episode off in the series. Maybe mm. while that was happening. Yeah, maybe he's off making a thriller, and that's why David Bradley's only in like two scenes. In that episode, or in the thriller, is because he's in that episode. He's doing of this. so much of this. Maybe. I mean, that's my head cannon. Okay, I was gonna say like probably not, but that is fun head cannon. <laughs> so I'm happy to go with that. Yeah, 1996. Interesting for Daniel Craig. He had Saint X, which we've done. Not a fan. Didn't take too much time. He did Kiss and Tell, which we've done. Not a massive fan. <laughs> he did Tales from the Crypt, which so these are all bottom of the list things for us and then he did uh also this year came out the fortunes and misfortunes of mole flanders which we'll be doing next okay 
Um, and then he also did, also had Our Friends in the North come out, which was, yeah, a, a landmark in his career and landmark in British television. It's still renowned now as one of the best British TV shows of all time. Well, I can see why. Mm. But also, like, I read that it took 40 weeks to film it. Yeah, it's a massive undertaking. So that's, like, huge. And that explains why a lot of Daniel's roles in the other things are very small. Yeah, I, yeah I'm surprised he got anything else done this year, to yeah. be honest with you. yeah, this. But I think this was filmed 94 to 5. Like, I think this was filmed uh, yeah, between sure. 94 to 95. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We'd... So, like, and then broadcast. But still, 40 weeks, that's a... That's a chunk, man. 40 weeks. For an has, actor, that is a chunk. Um, yeah, it has 160 speaking roles. Jesus. And required 3,000 extras. 160 speaking roles for 13 characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 97 wigs and eight and 810 accents. But... Uh, <laughs> um, the makeup, I, I like... From the get-go, the aging of, of the four actors to go through, through 31 years of their lives. Yeah. For, like, hair is one thing, and they do it very, very well. But Daniel Craig specifically, the makeup that Daniel gets, mm. I... Like, this is... Out of all of the things we've done for Patreon thus far, this is the greatest thing I've seen Daniel in. Yeah. Just because of what he gets to do. It's a real standout. Yeah, and the... I mean, I'm on the record as saying never age actors through makeup because it always looks silly and lame. Somehow they get away with it here. For everyone, actually, too. Like, Yeah, and I think I, because <laughs> they just... They just... I, th I mean, some people think it looks awful. But I think... There's little things like the fact that Tosca just goes bald. Like, yep. that's easy. Done. Old Very now. Mm -hmm. And they change their weight. Like, they have kind of fat suits and stuff. Yeah. And they just do lots of hair changes. Mary, Gina McKee, looks basically the same the whole time. But she has the right hair changes and it makes sense. Yeah, they just put a little bit of grey into it. And then but I think some people do age like that and that's fine. Yeah. Keanu Reeves. Exactly. They look kind of similar. Who? Her and Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> like a female Keanu Reeves? Um, yeah. Somehow they get they get away with it here. And I think because it's supported by just really impressive performances from all four of them, not just really inhabiting these these characters, but inhabiting them across this massive time time scale of thirty years mm. where their characters go from being like eighteen to about fifty. Yeah. When they're at the like the first episode, I think is the most unbelievable in act in like casting choices because they're they all, all look too old, look way too old for what they're supposed mm. to be, having so, just finished school. Yeah, so they did it about right because they're all like early thirties, so they can stretch <laughs> them in both directions while spending some time in the middle. Yeah. yeah, I could just about look past it. I mean, it's nothing worse than you get in like the OC or. Or the Broadway in general. Yeah. Because that's that's how that works. The the Vampire Diaries, as I've been seeing a bit of lately, because <laughs> that's a show Emma enjoys. Have you now? Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. Oh, look. You having fun? You know, The Vampire Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's some of the best trash I've seen for a while. I watched two hours of a show called The Good Witch last night. Right. Not last night. The night before. Oh, okay. Yep. Please be specific. Which is... 
You know the 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 lady from Mash, not Mash, Jag. Remember that show, Jag, the uh, law, Navy lawyers show. Uh, yes, I mainly know that through the prism of characters on sitcoms making jokes about it. <laughs> well, the main actress from Jag is in a Hallmark TV series called The Good Witch, where they're basically just running a small town by doing good deeds for people. And it was so weird to watch. Oh, and like that... every single female character are best friends. There are no antagonists <laughs> in this entire show. Oh, well, that sounds lovely. Everyone just gets along because it's a Hallmark show. Yeah. But I feel as though that's like Vampire Diaries without the sexiness. It's just like, yeah. we're going to make witches, but they're so nice to each other. <laughs> yeah, I think in Hallmark, if there's ever an antagonist, they're best friends with a protagonist by the end. And yeah. it was all just a misunderstanding. Or if there's ever an antagonist, it'll be time or something that's not yeah. having to be played by a person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be the blues. <laughs> yeah. Or an overprotective mother who won't yeah. let her daughter marry the guy of her dreams. Speaking of Hallmark movies, one of the things I'm pretty sad about from, from what I can see, and this is probably this is probably COVID related, I can't see any indication of Christmas Prince 4 coming out this year. Oh, what? I don't want to wait another year. Yeah. I don't want to wait. Fans may not know this, but uh, back in the day in our pre-Craig era, we were very big fans of the Christmas Prince franchise. We are very big fans of the and Christmas ongoing, Prince franchise. And I was very much looking forward to the fourth installment on Netflix for Christmas this year. but Maybe they'll surprise us. Netflix does that sometimes. They could have just a nice filmed it. Yeah, maybe they filmed three and four at the same time. Well, don't they usually film it like the Christmas before? Like when one of them's released, they film the next one? Maybe, because they do have to film in real snow, don't they? Yeah, so like, or they, they could just... have filmed just just before the apocalypse hit mm. where they were filming. I don't know, this is, this, this is sounding very, very wishful thinking. I mean, they, it was more likely they film it all in the late half of October and spend three days editing it and then put it out. <laughs> yeah. And I respect their choices. <laughs> they just film with one tape and they just do it in order. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, we have another scene out there. Drive three hours to the place where they had to film the last thing. But our friends in the north. But our friends in the north. So spoiler alert for our friends in the north. If you haven't watched it and you can, hit that shit up. It's long. Yeah. Be beware. Nine episodes. They're all an hour or more. So you're looking at about a 10 to 11 hour journey. Yeah. If you have your yearly watch of the extended edition Lord of the Rings, which I'm assuming you do because that's how yeah. humans work now. Yes. If that's you, just normal. If you can sit through that. You got this. You can do this. You got this. Actually, that. speaking of though, did you binge watch this? I did. Well, I binge watched half and then half. Okay, yeah, because I, I spread it out over like a couple of weeks. And one of my thoughts was, obviously this is from the era of weekly episodes. It's water cooler television. <laughs> when uh, We can't do water cooler television now, A, because we're not going into work, but also because you can't go up to the water cooler and talk about the whole season of House of Cards no. that just dropped. So did the, right, It's too much, isn't it? We'll, 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 we'll pick this up later. I've got to get back to work. I mean, Disney's trying to bring it back by like weekly episodes of Mandalorian and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand I wait until the end of, like it's finished and then I'll binge it. Yeah, I would rather do that because, yeah. <laughs> Our, our ability to delay satisfaction has been entirely <laughs> eradicated. But watching this, I felt like it f felt like it was from an era where it knows it's not going to be binge watched. 
Yeah. Because binge watching it felt quite exhausting. If I when I finished an episode, it was I enjoyed it, but I didn't want to put the second episode on straight away. I wanted to like, oh, okay, let's just take a minute. Yeah. Every every episode seemed longer than the last one and they weren't <laughs> like it just seemed like i've been sitting there for three hours just watching this story yeah and it's just like still 1966 for some reason yeah like <laughs> and that's okay if you if you know it's friday night i'm doing this now and then i'm not going to watch this again for another week and we're going to think and talk about it but if you have to watch it in a rush for a podcast I think yeah. I, there's a there's a difference in the pacing and the editing. I think there's also you have to sort of like prepare yourself, which I did not, <laughs> um, for <laughs> the. I think for for the content that's in the show, mm-hmm. but how it just skims everything and doesn't get like it doesn't drop itself and get involved with everything for a long time. How sort of. How, how like, weirdly brisk the pace could be. Yeah. In that there's so lots like, of issues coming up. There's a lot up, of but... interesting things that did take place throughout history mm. of those 31 years that they touch on. And it says that the characters are involved in in some way or another. Mm. But we don't get to see that. We just get it mentioned. Yeah. And, and you move on. Like, like, I think the most you get is the miners strike in episode five. Yeah, it really sort of slows down there a lot. And yeah, you, it concentrates, and you get to see like dig into one those couple of, of days. Yeah, and like I think the choices of the time jumps between the episodes is quite interesting. Makes no sense because it's it's very random. Yeah, because like, you jump four years, one year, three years, four years, five years, six years, three years, and seven. eight years. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I didn't mind that at all, but I just, and that's obviously partly to sort of line up with different sort of events, but then you end up with two, two episodes that are only a year apart. So you're spending a lot of time in that one period, that one period, and then you're sort of launching massively forwards again. Yeah. Some, I I found it quite interesting to see where they decided that their characters would be after the small amounts of time and then large amounts Mm. of time. And some of them are more believable than others, but I I enjoy that a lot of it is done so well that it's like, mm. yeah, I could see a person struggling to do and getting to that point. Yeah. I found it all relatively believable. I think it it it's all it's all believable when put in the context of how much time has gone by. Thirty one years. You know. Like life life is long. Life is very long. And normally in a movie or a TV show, much less time is passing. So if this much happened normally, it would be absolutely absurd. <laughs> it would be like a, a, a soap opera. It'd be like a season of the OC. Yeah. So- Actually I think I was reading an interview, I think it was Christopher Eccleston described this as I said, it's basically just a, a posh soap opera but with something to say, you know, <laughs> yeah. which I think captures well, some of it. A few things to say. A few, yeah. a few things to say. But I think if uh, couched in the fact that years and years are going by between each of these events, like it's, in a way it's a pretty normal amount of stuff to have happen in a person's life. Mm. And it's... Uh, Unless you're just a I super boring nerd. It gets to show that different normal things happen and so many different things happen to each of them. Mm-hmm. Daniel's story is my favorite. Yeah, yeah, very, and you know, not biased 
his he sort of he sort of gets the least to do out of all of them, but it's the most interesting. Of. I think he, I think it gets well. There's two I, episodes I think, where he's just not in them. There's only one episode that he's not in at all. Yeah, but but like he gets he like his story like his story with Malcolm McDowell mm. as as he rises through the right ranks of the crime syndicate in the Soho in yeah. London. And not that, even syndicate, it's just just well, like gang. doing illegal things. But Yeah. That could be excised as its own film. Definitely. So there's the he lives out a, a crime drama in sort of the middle of this anthology and then comes out of that and but and see, it's kind of I'm, doing what the what the Irishman is is trying to do, yeah. and I do not like the Irishman. I'm very sorry, everyone who loves the Irishman. I was I was bored and I couldn't get around that. I was trying to say, look, but then afterwards you're old and stuff. And I think this does that, but in I, a more articulate and and compelling way. Mm, you know, it I makes love, his decline interesting. I love that you get you get that crime drama. And you get his betrayal and stuff, and then his quick fall, and that's where you can end your movie. But then you get to see the twenty mm. years later, yeah. and like what actually happens mm. to this character, and it's fucked up. And it only but works like in a movie. In... You wouldn't get that. You just it'd end. Yeah, or it might keep going, and it's boring because it's the Irishman. But it and it only <laughs> works in this kind of a story because it's also you've also got the other sort of independent characters, yeah. and you can follow theirs as well. Yeah. So if it was just him followed after that story, that would get grim. And they do just have to drop him for long periods of time because there's nothing really to say until yeah. he comes to yeah. us back you, and something the, happens. The, the interim can be explained as just mm. steps downwards or yeah. steps upwards. Yeah. Or just a plateau. <laughs> like Yeah, a low plateau. plateau. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the... We, Go back to what we were saying about the the aging of them seems to bizarrely work, and the makeup they mm. do to Daniel Craig and his performance is obviously really supporting it as well. Arguably, this is the ugliest we've seen Daniel Craig. Well, I think without a doubt, this is the ugliest we get to see. Daniel <laughs> I think this Craig. is the ugliest Daniel Craig ever. The ever managed to make Daniel Craig on He's screen. He's doing. Ugly acting, yeah, and it's so good to see. Yeah, he is doing ugly. Like acting. he's so good. He's he's Britain's best actor. Well, this the, this is when everyone realised that. Yes, it still is. voted as one of the top, like twenty fifth of the most influential or most best British TV shows of all time. Of all time. Uh, Both Christopher Eccleston and Peter Vaughan were nominated for like Baftas and stuff for this series. Okay. At, like both of them for the same award for the mm. same series <laughs> awkward <laughs> but um, that's like very warranted like from the last couple of episodes mm-hmm. uh, yeah, oh yeah and then it, and it won for best drama serial quite understandably yeah um beating gulliver's travels <laughs> like ted danson's which one? is good as if we need another gulliver's travel no the uh, jack black one <laughs> um, was it Ted Danson's one? Because there are like eight of those. Yeah, I don't know, and I'm not bothered. I'm googling it. <laughs> Based on a play written by, well, written by the same guy. So Peter Flannery is the writer, and he had the idea of writing a 
the, 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 the well the play was put on in 1982 and it was like three hours long Jesus. and the play only went from 1964 to 79 well, it can't and go to 95 because it, it can't go to 95. Yet. Well, they could, but they'd have us with like jetpacks and <laughs> invisibility <laughs> watches and whatever. Um, and it's really interesting because I think Peter Flannery comments about it that he, from when he started writing this, for when it was first put on to when this TV show was put on, has gone from him like in his late 20s to his early 40s. Mm. So, and he makes the point of he couldn't written of all he couldn't written he couldn't have written all of this when he started writing it because he wasn't old enough. Yeah, and as he's aged because it bounced around at the BBC for like a decade before it finally got made, and there were different people in charge of the BBC and in charge of the drama department, like <laughs> yeah, let's do this. No, let's not do this. And then so when it finally got up and going, um, yeah, like twenty twenty years had gone by, and so then he was able to write the sort of the, the, the closing chapters. Mm. And I think the time when it happens is really interesting as well. The fact that it comes out in 1975, which um, was kind of a fulcrum point, like particularly in, in British history. There was a good summary of this I found from an article. Where did it go? There's an article in The Independent. They say... 1996 was something of a pause button year, a collective drawing of breath. The IRA had stopped killing people, and 9-11 and the war on terror was as yet inconceivable. Britpop was king of the charts, and Princess Diana was our queen of hearts. Football was coming home with the UEFA European Championships, and the Tories were packing up after 18 years of rule. So it was, I think all through the 80s when it's bouncing around, my interpretation of this point in history is like, it's there was a rare moment where they could kind of take stock of the last 30 years. Mm. You, know, the Tories you get that reprieve and you just get to the little, like settle in a bit. Yeah. Like the Tories have been in power for 18 years and kind of like while they were still there before you moved into the next paradigm or the next chapter, you couldn't really tell this story. So that might be why this was such a sort of, sort of like a lightning bolt out of a blue sky when it happened because everyone suddenly realized that, they could tell the story of the last 30 years. They knew how to how to frame <laughs> it and how to tell that story about it. Yeah. You know, which you can't, which we can't do when we're in the midst of it. You know, you can finally be able to get enough retrospect on this period to pull this, this drama out of it. And so I think we would, we'd like it because it's clarifying, you know, it's too, because everyone's watching it has lived through that time. That's what I think that was so, so popular because the people watching it, would be having lived through all of this stuff and like they could continue to watch it now mm. and look back and it would be very nostalgic because it yeah. still feel the same. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they could do a follow-up, like a sequel series. Well, I, I, was, we, I was thinking you can't do something like this now about our own time. You have to wait 10 years. Well, you, we, you can't do it while Trump's in office. Definitely not. Or while Trump's alive. <laughs> alive. I think <laughs> maybe if, if when, when, when Trump is gone and like COVID <laughs> is gone, then you might be able to do a, okay, what happened in the last 20 years? Like 9-11 to Trump is sort of like a... It's an interesting time. It's like an epoch. Could... That's kind of the epoch after this, you know. Like, <laughs> we haven't been able to really do a series like this 
about about that time period yet, but maybe it just keeps getting more and more weird, and yeah. like it needs to get to a point where you settle back down. You're like, mm. okay, yeah. And all our TV is weird. All our TV is about like vicious antiheroes or like and Westworld, the diaries of vampires and, and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, we're just getting more and more fantastical and dark. <laughs> and Which so is the world. I yeah, guess. but there's very little TV about just four people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Living what life actually was like over this time. All right, so it starts. Oh God! Okay. Are we going to do it? What do you want to? How do? are we going to talk about this? Because we can't. I think we could just episode to episode, just basically flow out the story a bit. Okay. Episode one, nineteen sixty-four. Christopher Eccleston's character, Nicky Hutchinson, yes. returns from a summer in the U.S. Yes. He's just been supporting the um, rallies with Martin Luther King. Yep. Helping fight for equality, which is awesome. Comes back in town holding his suitcase and his guitar. Yeah. And he's just back in ready to fight for some stuff that he believes in. Yeah. Which is a cool way to start your show. Yeah. And I went back and watched a bit of the first episode. Mm. He narrates it at the beginning. He does, and that he never, there's never, he never narrates anything again. The only narration that happens is the letter from his mother in the last episode. Yeah, so ah. you just get a little opening refrain. Of, I can see now, thirty-one years later, we were all about to make decisions that would change our lives forever. Apparently, yeah. Well, yes, mm. very much so, especially him. Yeah, so you know, a little bit of flashbacks of a fool here, but you know, talking about how <laughs> the things that happen in your in in your youth can determine you know so so much of your future. But in here, you don't need a Harry Eden to play young seventeen-year-old Daniel Craig. You just no, need you just need thirty-two-year-old Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig. <laughs> to play seventeen-year-old Daniel Craig, but, but so, just with younger hair. Um, so Nikki's back in town. Daniel's bought him a guitar because he's got a friend who wants to start a band. Yeah. That's so, all exciting. That's what you did in the 60s. Yeah. So the, the let's say the story of this episode <laughs> yeah. is Nicky comes back into town. Daniel really wants to get the band to let, Let's use character names. Okay. Nicky's back in town. Geordie wants Geordie to get the band together. wants to get the band together. He's met a guy named Tosca. Tosca, his mate, he's going to be involved as well. Yeah, he's going to sing because he's so good at it. Nikki and Mary uh, are together at the start. Yep. Throughout the episode, Nikki doesn't want to be in the band because he wants to carry on getting involved in politics. And he hooks up with David Bradley, who's the leader of the local Labour Party and is campaigning in the election. Eddie is David Bradley's character's name. We're doing character names. Well, I was going to do it for the main four. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we haven't told who the name. Christopher Eccleston there's plays eight, Nicky. There's 1,850 speaking roles. Daniel Craig plays Geordie. Tosca is played by Mark Strong. Yep. Um, Mary? Yep. Is played by... Gina McKee. Gina McKee. Follow along at home on your own Wikipedia if you get lost. <laughs> <laughs> David Bradley, who is the leader of... The Labour Party. In, and, their, in, in their, their area. In their area. Um, because sort of implied because Nikki is sort of focusing on that so much, Tosca gets to kind of swoop in on Mary a little bit later yeah, on because they just meet like they just meet for the first time in this episode. So yeah, you, you can see her sort of like wanting to have a relationship with someone. Yeah, but Nikki seems to have moved on from needing that right now. 
Daniel, uh, Geordie's dad is an abusive alcoholic and their relationship reaches a sort of pitch and they have a big fight and we get Daniel Craig yelling acting and he basically gets kicked out of home and has to leave. Oh, before that, um, during the summer, Geordie has had relations with a girl and she's pregnant and now he is engaged to be married to her. Well, I don't think she's pr- pregnant. She's pregnant. He's engaged to be married to her. I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure she is. I'm because pre- he says, is she up the duff? And he says, I only went with her once. I wouldn't care either. Yeah, but I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure she's preggers. I'm pretty sure he walks out on her being preggers. I'm Googling. I'm Googling. Oh, yeah. He says she's not, though. Jordan Jr. Yep. Okay. But, yeah, so he's running away from his abusive father at the end of the episode. Mm. He also abandons his fiance. Yeah. Which doesn't come up again. No. Well, it's the 60s, you know. It is. I'm sure she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Other things are introduced like Nikki's dad, played by Peter Vaughan, who's sort of an old sort of union firebrand kind of guy who used to be very involved in politics and but has become disillusioned. There's a Big deal made about the Jarrow March from the 30s, which was sort of the peak of his sort of political activism, probably mm. when they felt like things were really going to change. And that's kind of the, from throughout Nikki's story, that kind of reverberates throughout the sort of the desire to feel like things are going to change and then the and sort the, of oscillating the between and, yeah, disillusionment and then re- mm. regaining hope and things like that. And so the fact that Nicky is getting involved in politics actually estranges him from his father, even though he was involved in it in the past because he's sort of resigned and uh, pissed off with the whole enterprise. Yeah. And uh, which is also, I think, the the fact that his father still hangs out with, like, Eddie and uh, Austin hmm. is, like... So it's clear that he does want to be involved, but he's just too stubborn to... You know, get back in the seat and try and fight for something. Well, I think that in that episode, he's sort of Eddie's sort of always around mm. because he's always sort of campaigning, and they know him, so he, that's why he sort of comes exactly. in. But I don't think his Nikki's dad has anything to do with the the politics side around, of things. Yeah. And we also meet Alan Armstrong, who's Austin something, who is introduced as a kind of political crusader primarily in the form of housing policy so this show does a very good job of making housing policy an interesting subject of television where he's arguing he's, does it become he, interesting or do we just now know a lot about it <laughs> well no isaac it's interesting because the human impact of different housing policies is made salient through the trials and tribulations of our main characters that we care it about is indeed and he is arguing for the abolishment of the Newcastle slums and that they need to start building tower blocks. And that was very interesting, sort of look back on 
knowing what we know about tower blocks now, <laughs> them being sort of put forward as this this is a way to solve a lot of problems development and and in a way you know it is in, entirely necessary because with the growing population we, we've got to go up we can't keep yeah. just going out but it's also like it's a sort of a commendable sort of thing like you realize this has to be thing so we're going to do this in the best possible way to help as many people as we can mm. in the shortest amount of time yeah and that's a nice thing to want to do yeah but the, i think the degree to which austin what Austin's actual motivations are and what his ethical framework actually is. Very vague. Is very vague, which is a strength, I think, of the story. You see mm-hmm. how Nikki, who's very idealistic and morally driven, Even gets when it comes wound back up to bite him. them later on, yeah. it's still vague as to what Austin well got out of it. Yeah. yeah. And he is apparently very closely based off a real person, I forget, get their name it doesn't really matter but who you know there were people who pushed these tower blocks and this which were you know built in a shabby way and different people profited off it seems to happen now too what are the chances yeah it's all imagine corruption still existing it's almost as if the ways in which you know hegemonic systems of power you know, harm the poor and the marginalized in society have continued to do so to this day. Imagine that. Imagine, Imagine shows like this being made, but the problem still existing. Ugh. Well, that would be a depressing reinforcement of many of the messages of this show itself. <laughs> yes. Yes, it would. Uh, and throughout the episode, Austin sort of draws Nikki away from the more traditional forms of like door-to-door political campaigning and things like that and gets him mm. to come and work for him outside of the party system but doing what is essentially kind of power-broking but from Nikki's sort of perspective this is seen as this is how we're going to get is, outside we're going to break the old system down this is the future down. of what we need to be able to do yeah we're going to move fast break stuff and we're going to get things done so no one there just ghosts just the ghost just ghosts just a very gentle and polite poltergeist. Well, I think the ghost just checked and like panicked. He goes, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize <laughs> I was just going to come do some light haunting in here. I'll come back later. I'll come back later. You guys look busy. You continue. You got this. Go. I always want to do a sketch where like a ghost keeps getting scared by the humans. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, Jesus. Like the others. <laughs> yeah. All the ghosts keep accidentally scaring each other. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. I thought you were the other. Oh, damn it. Don't. We've been over this. I know we can make ourselves invisible. Don't suddenly become visible right in front of me, okay? <laughs> I've got feelings as well. Don't say things while you're invisible. Yeah, and stop going through me as well, okay? <laughs> it's gross and weird. I don't know if you just forget that you're invisible and you just start talking to someone. Yeah! <laughs> so, damn, you, damn you, Olaf the Third. It's like a ghost name. It's a very good ghost name. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts I had about this episode when I was watching it was that the, the houses are so small. You know? Because yep. they're English. That's still a very English thing. Yeah. 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 Because none of the houses have changed. There's no yeah. new ones. It's just the yeah. same houses. <laughs> well, yeah. They've been able to go back and film in them, haven't they? Um, I like... Oh, and, at, and also at the end... 
um, Tosca and Mary have sex. On a beach. On a beach. Mirroring Nikki and Mary having some dry humping time on that beach at the start. I think they were actually having sex, but with their pants on for some reason. Uh, Well, yeah, that's... What do you... No, well, I, think they, what do you think I think dry intercourse is? actually took place, but nobody got naked at the start. Well, I thought, this is weird to go into, I it thought the weird. point was, <laughs> like, because sex is like a bit more of a bigger deal. So they're just, then, they're both just going because it's very, to do what they need to do, but we're you, just going to keep that inside ourselves. Yeah, but it's very sort of like... Visibly different when Tosca and her are very are doing it. So, recurring element of this show: uncomfortable sex scenes. Very much uncomfortable to watch. Maybe the English just aren't very good at it. Maybe that's a part of the show. I feel like we're all just, we're just going to show the world, everyone. We probably need some pointers, y'all. I feel like the characters have all like just been told what sex is by a friend. Just Maybe that's beforehand. also a point because none of them are allowed to look at porn. Which comes into play later on because porn, porn is porn is evil. For, oh, for quite true. a few episodes, porn is the bad guy. Yeah, there is the. So no one knows what they're doing because they're not. They don't have well, role models to follow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, <laughs> they're uneducated. That's this guy's problem. Yeah, well, I don't know if porn is bad like thematically, but the the police seem to think so. Well, the police. Well, really, society thinks so, yeah. which puts which puts pressure on the police, which puts pressure, which makes which which creates it's because think, they don't because society doesn't want the pornography that creates the underground industry for it, thus creating more of it, thus creating the corruption of the police. And in, the show does spend quite a long time on the corruption of the police. Yeah, which is interesting because it's very not about the main four characters. No, it, it like it's Jordy is adjacent. It's involved with Jordy's story, but, but no like, one else. It um, doesn't overly affect Jordy's story at all. It's just yeah. happening while he's doing some mm. stuff. I really like this opening episode. It's crazy to go back and watch when you've watched the whole thing. Mm. Where do you want to rank it on the list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's rank our favorite episodes. <laughs> let's not do that. No, let's just. Just within just within the show as we go through oh, this okay, episode, okay, okay. Cool, cool. we're gonna have to speed it up though. So let's uh, so this one is first for the moment. Yeah, one is nineteen sixty four. Episode two, nineteen sixty six. I l- when you go back and rewatch these episodes, it's just really f- fun seeing how much youthful energy they have in their performance, especially Nikki, like Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, he's so like jumpy and elbows and stuff. He want he because he, he's mm. excited about doing good. Yeah. Still two years later. And I really buy his and Geordie's friendship as well. Me too. The way they yeah. give the football to each other on every birthday and they like, joke about it and stuff. <laughs> it just really sort of rang true as that sort of eighteen year old best friends. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um Um so episode two, Geordie's living in London. He's got himself a nice job. Yeah. Working so, with Benny. Um Benny, yeah, Benny, who's the sort of Benny like, Barrett. The sort of like gang leader of Soho. Yeah. And yeah. it opens with Daniel with Geordie in the sort of phone box phone box sort of calling people asking if they've got a job and that sort of thing mm. which is the saddest thing in the world 
I have very low tolerance for watching people like trying to get a job yeah. and stuff. It's it's so sad. So is a lot of what Jordy has to go through. Lot, yeah. But and this is the first time he's he's just a really well written and interesting character that he you see him become you see him sort of go down the levels of morality in 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 different ways yeah but, you but every time entirely. he does it he like there's a there's a small redeeming moment and you're like yeah you're still trying to do good stuff yeah but you're just and in a place where you got to do this it's just the the recurrent theme of the whole thing that he's just being produced by his environment yeah the in the intergenerational passing on of grief and trauma and dysfunction is probably ultimately the the undercurrent of this whole series th- of this whole yeah. series which obviously becomes more apparent when these characters have their own children and they become adults and those in characters have their own children and, yeah and there's a lot of children people be having sex yeah and it just goes on and on and but they and but they are showing that very much here already where Geordie is already in a tough spot because his home life is terrible because his father wasn't able to do anything for him mm. Presumably because of stuff that happened to him decades when prior father, yeah. as well, um, and so you already kind of you're already sort of positioned to empathise with Geordie as like he didn't want to do any of this. He just wanted to start a band. He did just want to be in a band. That really, that makes me sad as well. When, he's, when like just like when you're just trying to get your mates together to rehearse. Oh, it's also like right at the end when he's playing keyboard and he's really good, and then oh. like, and then like. Like, he's still really good. Like, he could totally do that. That'd be great. Why wasn't he in a band? That feeling of being 18 and trying to get your mates together to rehearse (laughs) something. That must be, uh, like, a very common And then one of them sells his drum kit. Yeah, and then one of them decides to go into politics. Like, that. I was talking about Nathan, but that's fine. Well, our friend Nathan. Yeah, our friend Nathan. Yeah. Well, he he, he wants to buy a better one. He, yeah, and he shall. It's okay. We'll, we'll get the band back together. Our band is still going to be great, Isaac. Don't worry about it. We're not. We're not standing still. We're just lying in wait. Men of Earth. That's what it was called. I'm always amazed by how easy it can look to write interesting characters and relationships, because so much is bad, and so often TV <laughs> and film goes wrong. Just the fact that you've got Nikki and Geordie two characters and you see how they've been best mates up till now but now as they're getting older they're just diverging in terms of mm. their interests and capacities because well, we get to see Geordie call Nikki and see if there is a job where Nikki works yeah to which yeah, well, I think that's like, the start of this episode yeah, no, and that is just very emotionally affecting that's so simple but it's that's actually representative of a very high level of writing ability it seems <laughs> because <laughs> so many things don't have anything like that. Uh, so it's only two years later, but Mary and Tosca have a kid. Yep. Damn. <laughs> and are married. And I, and so so Nikki's out of the picture. And the housing estates are built. They're up and a Mary and Tosca are in an advert for one of them. Or one of like the, the selling videos that they're trying to take around places. And Nikki watches that in a scene. And that's, I think, I don't know if that's how he learns that they're living together, but 
that's how we learn that they're living together with a kid is that they're mm. in a video that Nikki's just watching at the start of the episode, which I think is kind of cool. That's the nifty way of doing that. Yeah. Two narratively two birds with one stone there. Yeah. And he goes around to see Mary and they're, they're still best friends. That's the thing I understand about them. They're still, says, best, we're still best friends. Friends. Tosca's still trying to be a famous musician. And the and thing his is, way of doing that is... Well, he gets an agent to come and see him play at the I pub. think, but is that in this episode or the next one? I think it's in this one. Okay. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's playing in his parents' pub every Friday night. Just yeah. a solo man with a dude on the piano behind him. And the thing is, Mark Strong cannot sing. No. But that's okay for the character. Yeah, cause, because the cause character can't Tosca. <laughs> he's not very good. And the But his mummy doesn't think so. And the agent just says, don't quit your day job. That's so harsh. But I like oh. that he frames it. He goes, I'm going to give you some advice. Yeah. And it might seem harsh now, but you will thank me. Yeah. He <laughs> just says, don't quit your day job, which is the worst thing to say to someone in general. But yeah, definitely true. Especially now, people probably don't have a day job. <laughs> no, this is all we have. I've got. But also now people would get so offended by that and they would go to their Twitter pages and, <laughs> and cancel you. That yeah. cancel culture would happen. <laughs> Imagine cancel culture in the 60s. It's just a letter-writing campaign. <laughs> yeah, lots of leaflets and stuff. I've taken I've out... Been edi- inundated with a letter. I've taken out an editorial. <laughs> so that's the end of you, mate. Yeah. Now it's in print. It's libel. Um, yeah, people trying to succeed is also the saddest thing in the world. Yeah. So already in this episode, we've got people trying to get jobs and people trying to succeed in an artistic pursuit that they're never going to succeed at. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> Don't like to see it. And less exciting is mm. somebody who's just realized that maybe his job's not achieving much. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of, so everyone's kind of. And someone's, we're, just, we're only, someone's figured out that maybe getting married and having a kid wasn't the best idea right now. Yeah. So we're only two years into this story and everyone is disillusioned already. <laughs> Jordan's given up on the band. Tosca's like married to someone he doesn't really love and is progressively giving up on his own aspirations. Mary is just depressed at home and like was saying what hard work it is to just live this life. <laughs> and Nikki's story is him basically realizing that Austin is more of a sort of political operative than a crusader of any kind. Yeah. And Nikki tries to ask it's sort of it's becoming apparent that the tower blocks are sort of unsafe, the not damp good places to live. In. The damp. The damp. The serious damp. Yeah, has set in the black. The, the black. There is mold. an entire wall in like Marion Tosca's apartment that is just mold. Yeah, like, like there was a wall there, mm. or maybe it was a door, but now it's mold. Metaphor for corruption. Yeah, mm. where's my jacket? It's just over, just past the mold. See that wall? It's black. Yeah, your jacket's also black. Go past <laughs> the large amount of mold, and then turn left at the small amount of mold. <laughs> it's just, it's just there by the frog just colony. Try not to breathe near the mold. We've tried to get rid of it. Yes, that is an owl. Her putting like um, wallpaper up just to cover it. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Well, I think is that. I think that's the next. I episode. think that that's the next one. But oh, that's just so sad. Yeah, and also very very symbolic. Yeah. But and during like, this, you're not making any difference. There you go. That's a little bit. That was pretty good too. Yeah. <laughs> Which is Tosca. Everyone. Everyone in this. Well, not everyone. Nikki, Nikki and Mary, I think they have a joint story of 
always trying to figure out whether there's any point in doing anything <laughs> or not, <laughs> or if they're ever going to make any difference, or if you're just wallpapering over mold the whole yeah. time. Tosca's story seems a little selfish for the whole thing. Tosca is just self-interested, yeah. but it's the story of how self-interested kind of fools can can rise to the top. Like the fact, and the fact like that rise and fall a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can. When you're of, in it for yourself, it's it's like a warning. Like if you can not... fail your way to the top, <laughs> yeah. and the fact that people are, the fact that the rich and powerful of society are rich and powerful is not signifies that they are <laughs> the best or the brightest. No, they've failed the several times before. Then baked in corruption of the society in which they live will always. Uh, but also foster back the wrong as well, things because because like in this episode you get to see Geordie be, like sort of like start his journey into the Soho crime Criminal underworld. Um, you get to see him start that and meet Benny and, like, just accidentally sort of, like, step into that world, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. He just yeah. gets given the letter by the dude who's about to be arrested and takes it to where it goes and just stands yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it starts with Geordie. He goes into the strip club he in goes Soho into the, um... and acts like he's never seen a woman before in his life. <laughs> like, his little face when he's in that strip club. <laughs> Multiple Whoa. stripping scenes throughout this show. There's as a well. lot, of, well, they just, a lot of strip club stuff, but it it's only in those like, few episodes. While he's but they working show there. the whole sort of show. They which show I find interesting. the show, but they also, I think, in order to do that, have a scene happen in front of it. Like Jordy will talk to someone yeah, in the background. People are stripping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's other reasons why so many people watch this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to watch that one again, love? All right. She's I like, like <laughs> I'm I'm interested in the societal commentary. <laughs> and he very and so he and yeah, the, the, isn't like they, they get raided or something. They my yeah. problem now is I watched this quite a while ago. <laughs> he the fir- the first thing is he goes to the um like a magazine shop where they're just selling all the Playboys and stuff. Oh yeah, he accidentally and the dude who works there is just about mm. to get arrested, so he gives Johnny a letter and says, You have to take this to this club. And he's like, okay. And then he watches the guy just get arrested. So Jordy goes to the club and then the club gets raided and he just stands there while the cops come in and take all these people out. Yeah. And then he gives the letter to who it needs to go to. Mm, it's so yeah. weird. And Barrett kind of likes that he's kind of a cool guy and he doesn't, he's unflappable. Yeah. He doesn't get phased by this cops mm. that come in and take all these dudes away. Yeah. And Jordy sort of immediately latches onto this guy, basically as a father figure. As the you know, father figure he hasn't yet had. Yeah, someone who's never had a father worth a damn. Now, even though this, you know, it's a very archetypal story of this very much, yeah, evil essentially person. Yeah, someone you can look up to, like yeah. a role model. You yeah, finally found a role model. Yeah, and because he has nothing, now he has this very charismatic person giving him lots of attention and affection. So obviously, he's going to go along with whatever they, yeah. whatever they suggest. Um, and he gets uh, he gets beaten up. At some point, like he take he, he he takes a beating, but he doesn't he doesn't snitch. And that guy's the dude from Layer Cake and like snatch and stuff. A big dude. Is he? What, what does he? Oh doing? wait, no, he's in he's in Lockstock. He plays that big ass gangster in Lockstock, who's just oh, everyone's like, afraid of him. Obviously, because he's a big ass gangster. Who is he in Lockstock? Um, Enforcer for what's his face? Pause for effect. He's not Big Nick. No, the, Big Nick the, is the smaller one. Well, no, Big Nick is the big guy who's selling stuff to 
Oh, yeah, no, that's Oldman. him. Yeah. That's the same with actor, the, yeah. With the phones and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, he's just a, he's a, just a, a, a wheeler dealer yeah, kind and of character. That's the same. I like it. It's the same character. Like yeah. It. yeah. He's, just, he's just played that same oh, dude. Shared After universe. After he gets beaten up here in the 60s, he becomes that. Shared universe. <laughs> um, shared universe. And, and yes, and so Barrett really takes a takes a shine to Geordie and then he goes and visit him when he's got all his bandages on. And I really liked that scene because I just I, I I don't know why. I just liked the vibe of his little bed sit there. Me too. You know, like lamps, cigarettes, newspaper. You know? Made me nostalgic for a time when, you know, you would sit on your bed at your flat in London and read a newspaper because that's what there was. <laughs> you know? A technologically simpler, whilst maybe politically more complex time. I enjoy that when Benny then offers to give him a, like a better apartment, like to mm. to move up. He's like, "No, I like this one. This one's cool." Yeah, I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, and Benny takes that as a, like a like an endearing thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, this guy gets it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that scene that scene covers a lot of ground in terms of their relationship. The Definitely, fact that he comes yeah. into his room, yeah, comes to check on him. He, yeah, and he. Like that, that establishes a lot of intimacy between them very quickly. Meanwhile, Nikki is debating more with Austin about what their what their role is and what what his job is. He hasn't been really satisfied in what this job has been. Um, really clear distinction he, here with the sort of the the design of that room, where it's all sort of like m- black and white, modern, like flashy sixties. Um, furniture and ornaments, and they're in like black and white, like suits and stuff. I enjoy watching the um the nightclubs evolve through time, going from like classic yeah. kind of sixties sort of like vibe into the seventies, mm. and then the shitty shit you shit you see in the late eighties. Yeah, like ugh. yeah, and there's it's very there's very sort of like on the nose but awesome music the whole time. Oh, deaths! Like yeah. episode one, we didn't even mention Geordie. Daniel Craig is introduced with House of the Rising Sun, <laughs> sitting on a swing set, like watching old terrace houses get demolished. <laughs> um, and I they, and then they play times they are a changing later on. Quite a quite quite a lot. The like the ending of the episode is very jarring because a song starts. Yeah, <laughs> and like, and it's always geez. a very distinctive song. <laughs> like, um, substitute. So episode three shoots one year into the future. Yeah, and Geordie is hella involved with Benny's situation, and he's like yeah. a right hand man now. He's mm. wearing fly suits. Yeah, well, I think the thing that comes up at the end of episode. Two is when Nikki is like finally sort of fully disillusioned with Austin. Austin, mm, and, and he quits. And oh, he I finds liked, the files and stuff. Yeah, and I, I liked it at that point. We kind of had these dueling father figures, where you've got Geordie with Barrett, mm. and now Nikki with Austin, and they like they're both they're both breaking the law, but they're at different like levels of class. One's white collar c- crime, and the other one is like. Crime, 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 crime. Yeah, yeah. well, per- like per- purple. It's collar. all crime. Yeah, but one of them just seems friendlier. Yeah, even though it hurts probably more people. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the it's less technically worse kind it's of crime. less salient form of crime. <laughs> this guy's just trying to sell some pornography. <laughs> Who's that going to? This harm? guy poorly housed thousands of people, <laughs> and is like 
give and is just giving birthday honors out to people who pay enough money for it. Yeah. Um, so and then yeah, and then he finds some sort of paperwork that indicates that incriminates them all and stuff. Yeah. It, all of the, so these episodes all have a big like finishing line. Like the end of episode one, Austin's like, "Will you come with me?" A big pause for effect, and Nikki's like, "Yes." Substitute your lies or something like that. <laughs> and then here's oh, actually, I've got to say this because this is one of my notes favorite lines at the end of this, where Nikki sort of realizing that Austin's full of shit, mm. and he says, um, "I was looking for something that used to happen before I was born in the big market, and maybe it just doesn't exist anymore." And I think there's that constant sort of hearkening back, sort of nostalgia for was there a time when change could happen? And, yeah. and there probably wasn't. But the, everyone just has golden age thinking. Well, like, of, I think if you look back, you see small changes as bigger changes. But like while you're going through them, they don't seem like they're happening at all. But looking back, yeah. you can see how things have changed a lot. Yeah, which is probably the power of this series that they were now we're able to look back and see these these changes happening. Yeah, but everyone everyone has golden age thinking about the time in a, a time in the past when it would have been better, but now it's shit. Everyone you all thinks, have golden age of twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, everyone thinks now we're going to be the ones to change things. Things are going to be different, and then everyone gets frustrated because. The arc of history is so slow that nothing ever happens at the kind of speed they want it to happen. And then in twenty years, and then twenty the years happening in the other way. Old yeah. Peter Flannery comes along and says, <laughs> "Oh, look at," and just brings home to you how circular all of history is. Well, it rhymes, you know. It's not. That's the <laughs> rhyme. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's kind of the point. Uh, but yes, it's the biggest issue facing modern British politics is corruption. That's oh, good. And then the the Rolling Stones or something. Episode three. So which one of those is better? One or two? Two. You reckon? I think two, because you get to see more of Geordie. Yeah, I just like all the youthfulness in one. But the one has all that awkward sex. Yeah, two is better. Episode three, 967. And yeah, Daniel Craig's <laughs> getting home at six in the morning. He's got like a massive purple bow tie on or something. And it's a cravat. Sort of... He's wearing cravats well, uh, with his yeah. big black suits and jackets and stuff. Yeah. So fancy. 1967. And his hair's all nice and he looks so clean. Imagine that. Imagine what happens next. Yeah. He's he's just living the high life at the moment. He's rich and powerful and sexy and everything's great. And he's walking through Soho and there's a guy there looking at all the pornography being like, I don't know about all of her. And DC stands next to him and he's like, they're Danish. Yeah. Which is a fun line. And he goes to the dude, most people come at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'll take note of that. And so the story of this episode is for Geordie, he gets more and more involved in the uh, criminal underground. Barrett gets turned into an undercover, well, he's undercover informant for the corrupt police. Yes. As well. So, like, so he's, he's got his, he pays the cops and they don't touch him. And then, yeah. like, he can give them clues about helping other stuff, yeah. but it's always not enough to do yeah. what they need to do because so Barrett's involved with so much. Yeah. So he informs and pays off the corrupt police who are sort of headed up by Donald Sumter. Who's... Who is the most terrifying person. He certainly can Just be. Like he's, I've never seen anything where he's, like, a nice character to people, like a father figure. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's, um, he's nice in Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
he's that he's the, he can be that like grandfather with a with a past. Yeah, you know, a nice grandfather, but he was in the SAS and he knows how to stab <laughs> someone from behind so they don't scream. He he does well as a corrupt cop in this though. Like he's like, oh, just I hate you so much. Yeah. Why you got to be like this? Yeah, he's got that very sort of like serpentine mm. energy to him. And during this, Pajordi has started an affair with Julia, Benny's girlfriend. Yeah. And quasi girlfriend. Yeah. Woman who he goes about with. She says that Benny hasn't touched me in weeks. Yeah. And there's that scene later on where Geordie's like, I shouldn't love you. <laughs> he has a bit of a cry. We get Daniel oh, Craig crying. So much ugly crying. <laughs> but it's good. In this. Um, yeah. Daniel Craig does not hesitate to make himself as ugly as possible, as early as possible in this. But pretty much right at the start of the affair, Benny knows about it. But doesn't yeah. say anything. No, and you're worried the whole time that he's going to kill Geordie or do yeah. something crazy. But ultimately, at the end, um, at Barrett the end of the episode, Barrett sort of, sort of reveals of... the fact that she is also doing sex work and sort of uses that against her to keep Geordie on side. Yeah, so Barrett say, doesn't. Don't worry about her, mate. She, mm. You know, blah. We got to stay together. We got to stick together. Yeah, because. She's not in love with you. Yeah. What is it like? Because jo- most, because he, he most people are rubbish, but all women are. Yeah. He asks Geordie so. about the affair, and Geordie doesn't lie, and so Barrett makes it like, mm. "I'm glad you didn't lie to me. That's that's the best step." Yeah. And then he takes off the painting to show the glass mirror, with um with another uncomfortable British orgy going on. Yeah. Behind with it, what's in his which face? She is um. Yeah. What's he? Um. He he's the crop cop. Yes, yeah, but he's 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 one of those people who, you know, he's definitely in Midsummer Murders. You know what I mean? No, the dude having sex is what is is the is the corrupt cop in this? In this, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just saying that actor is one of those people who's in lots of stuff. We just talked about him, the one that Barrett's paying off. Mm. Yeah, who could yeah. be a grandfather figure? No, it's not Donald Sumter in there. It's a different bloke. Is sure? Yeah. Okay. You're not getting Donald's you're not getting Sir Lord Dame Donald Sumter in a in a in a in a painting orgy? In a compromising position? No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that other one who does lots of um can I find him? Lots of things. That bloke. Yeah. He's the corrupt cop. He's one of them, yeah, but that, that's not Donald Sumter. Which one's Donald Sumter? That's the evil guy. Yeah, there's there's multiple. Ah, oh, see, he can be a definite grandfather figure. Yeah, but he's but he's got a menace to him. We so you were thinking about David Schofield. David Schofield is evil. He does have he does have a a, a grim aspect. He's got that evil face, man. Well, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm, he's a lovely guy. I'm sure, he's a lovely guy, but definite typecast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people are never going to be heroes. Daniel Craig, he got out of that real quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, Daniel Craig can do anything. He's Britain's best actor. He is Britain's best actor. So this, so yeah, this is the episode that's showing us a lot more of just the way. I like it. It shows how corruption happens and takes place, and how it grows as well. Yeah. How people are involved in the system, and how there's this sort of pressure from your peers to participate. Like you don't, if you're a cop. If you didn't realize they were corrupt, now you are either corrupt or you're not a cop because 
people need to know that you're involved in this system otherwise they can't trust you so and there's a couple of people who um i don't know if that's really in this that's one the next that's episode, more in the next yeah. episode a couple of people hold out uh from that system but that's a lot of what we see happening here yeah um eddie goes to see this is when eddie goes to see mary and tosca at the at the high rise and we see all the we see the we see the damp the 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 world of damp in which they live um we get to see nikki who's obviously become disillusioned with yeah the labor party yeah but he's still gonna he's still gonna change the world he's gonna be joining the anarchists (laughs) well the first is gonna be a journalist oh that's the one yeah but he, yeah, basically hooks up with some anarchists and he's got this sort of like champagne socialist girlfriend <laughs> and they go out for dinner with Mary and Tosca. And I really like this where now that you saw more of this wedge being driven between Nikki and Mary. Mary and Tosca where there's no real affinity between Mary and Tosca but they're basically being bound together more by their class position yeah. and by the fact that their lives are so shit. They are, <laughs> they're like, well, I, we don't really like each other but... But I don't we want to be re- treated like shit by this chick. Yeah, we resent you guys as well. So mm. it's sort of, you know, the way different people are sort of turned turned against each other. So the way, yeah, the way they're sort of consolidating in their suffering, I thought was uh, a good piece of storytelling. And yeah, but Nikki's going to be a journalist, and it's all it's all going to be fine. But then Tosca loses his job. And it's something to do with Rhodesia. It doesn't really matter. What he's doing is spray painting addresses on boxes that are going to Rhodesia yeah. for some reason. Well, this was apparently a big part of the play. Mm. Uh, there's a huge part of the play took place in South Africa. And okay. there's, there, was, there was some sort of real world thing that went on with uh, corruption in terms of the different shipments being made. And that's actually where the title comes from which is i think it's how people in south africa referred to the rhodesians as our friends in the north okay and i thought surely this is just people in london referring to people in the north of england as our friends in the north but actually it's a rhodesia thing (laughs) which is quite interesting so this is just something which comes up once yeah they just retain this as a little as a little reference um and Nicky's kind of conflicted because he has the documents that will reveal the illegality of the tower blocks. But also if he releases them, he will be... Sort of like... Austin will go to prison and he will be implicated in it as well. Yeah, so it'll taint his... Yeah, so it's again showing how this corruption, kind of like damp, gets on everything. Mm. um, Tosca loses his job, and this Tosca one... and Julia sort of their relationship breaks down a little bit more. So he comes down to London, yeah, that's... to visit Geordie yeah. and basically sort of like hits it off, I guess, with Benny. Yeah, and, and I like I... that Tosca's like rise to success comes from a small loan that Benny just gives him out of the blue. Yeah, just completely sort of by chance, you know. You just... It just turns out, and through, but I think the, it's also Benny underworld. uses it to. Like sort of get back at Geordie because this is when Geordie gets framed, isn't it? Oh no, this is when this is when Geordie's just informed that um, Julia don't don't love him. Yeah, this is just sort of the story of their their relationship. This episode, mm. um, and yeah, Tosca's having a brilliant time because he's just been having such a shit time being unemployed with a family he hates <laughs> up in Newcastle. So he gets to come to London and see naked chicks. Naked chicks. He's having he's having some drinks. He's having he's having a great time. Because Geordie's showing him a good time, um, 
And then at the end of this, Nikki confronts Austin again about how he's been he's been bribing MPs to invest in different companies. And that's when Austin is like, if uh, they if they crucify them, they have to crucify all of us. And some of those crosses are very big. So yeah. that's how the system works. Is you you can't no one can actually be held accountable because then it would flow onto everyone, and that's that's not a that's not an option. Episode four. Episode four. Three years later, nineteen seventy. So where does that one go? Is that one? I think that's second. I think that's second. So one is still at the bottom. Yeah, well, we get more like oh no, we get yelling Daniel Craig in number one. I see. There's a lot. There's a lot in number one. Oh, this is let's so put that pointless. third. I know. So, so three is third. Three is third. Okay, so it goes two, one, three. Episode four. Just like Star Wars. <laughs> 1970. We open with Working Class Hero by John Lennon. <laughs> Nikki is living uh, in London with the anarchist group. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. they have one gun. No. <laughs> I love that they have a gun. A machine gun. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so the anarchists have a gun. Oh, I like when they go when he goes back to his dad and and um, uh, what Peter Vaughan's like. I haven't seen one of these since forty three, so it's an old gun. Yeah, <laughs> like that's thirty yeah. years old. So now Nicky has massive hair and a massive mustache <laughs> because he's an anarchist. Yeah, it's the seventies. Um, it's the the seventies have begun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so this is his sort of <laughs> disillusioned and angry phase so now they're kind of now this is their sort of antifa period where and his sort of story throughout this is um still just wrestling with whether or not this is the way we could change the world maybe with kind of violence and property destruction we could finally get where we've been trying to go (laughs) um and he meets up with geordie and Geordie takes him to the club because that's where the strippers are. We go have a go exactly. have, another, go have another look at that. And, and he goes, just... "Oh well, have you seized the power yet?" <laughs> and Nikki goes and shows him the homeless camp. Then mm. the police come and start hosing them all down, which is because they haven't like been defunded yet. Some cool foreshadowing for stuff that happens later too. To see both of them in the same sort of location. Yeah. Like, their story is so awesome. The deg- And seeing Geordie be absolutely dismissive of the people who are homeless. Yeah. And now, this is not my problem and tramps. it doesn't matter. Yeah. All the tramps. Yeah. And Nikki is... So, Nikki's still... He's like an anarchist and a journalist. So, he's still taking photos and <laughs> yeah. stuff. And, um, yeah. And then there's lots of good lines in there. Why don't you just float downstream like everyone else? Um, um, this is always going on just as unnecessary and just as inevitable. Lots and of then speeches going on in the episode, Geordie. This is when the um, journalist is about to like do the expose on corrupt cops, and it implicates Geordie and stuff. Could be yes, because this is this is when this episode ends with Benny betraying him, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the yeah, so yeah, the, the yeah, that's it. The Times newspaper is going to publish a, a story about all this this corruption. So there's lots of depictions of the corruption. There's Geordie delivering like packages to the police and they're having a pornography party. <laughs> all the cops are literally just watching porn in the police station and getting drunk together. Which I'm sure they did. Oh, man, what is it? 1970? Who kn- yeah, everyone's got a mustache. Everyone's evil now. Um <laughs> And then Geordie kind of 
Geordie, well, it's it's like it's made extra sad because first he has he's been, he's told he has to leave town, and he like meets a girl and is just like staying with that chick Daphne like down by the seaside having a lovely time for a little while. Yeah, and then he gets just stitched up by Bow and sort of thrown under the bus and has then ends like, up having to go to like prison. The scene where it's like I'm gonna come, I've got a bit of money saved up, we can move away. Let's 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 yeah. fall in love and it's gonna be great. Yeah, Geordie like comes that, so that close to you know <laughs> to getting out of the world. To, yeah, to getting out of his his situation so many times, and yeah, it's just completely betrayed by his his father figure. And um, um, this is also the sh- the one where the police corruption investigation starts within the cops, and then what's his face? Evil faces just basically put on the case straight away, mm. and. We get to know that he's immediately just shutting everything down. Yeah, and there's these two, um, the two guys. If I can find their names, probably can't. The character name is Johnson, who's been promoted and asked to lead the corruption investigation. Yeah, kind of in response to this uh, news newspaper story, they. People are sort of making a show of, well, we have to do an investigation into this. Yeah. But it's never going to be allowed to get off the ground. No, because, like, I think the audience has let know that it's every level of police is corrupt. Yeah. Like, there's too much of it. And there's these two guys. Well, there's three guys who kind of get given the job. And there's... one of them is actually trying to do the job, but his the two underlings are just like, yeah, we'll do that for you. And they're the corrupt. They're like the main yeah, corrupt guys well, that we I get to see. There's there's three good good guys. There's the out of town. <laughs> oh yeah, the sort guy of who, superintendent guy. Um, his boss died in. because of it in the last episode. Yeah, there's the. Like, I loved him. He was great. Yeah, there's a sort of paunchy alcoholic guy. <laughs> yeah. And there's the other like pointy nose fella. The younger one. Uh, kind of, I guess. But mm. and what I love about them is they are these are three of the just most like unheroic looking people <laughs> and like the pointy nose guy he's got a villain face he should be playing uh villains but <laughs> these are just you watch these three people sort of consistently just try their best to do the right thing throughout this corruption investigation but everywhere they turn they're shut down by yeah. corruption yeah and donald sumter and whoever it is above him some other sort of well, the, police the, fella the commissioner dude He's yeah. shutting it down everywhere because he knows the extent yeah. that it goes to. But and but they they are actually able to publish their report. I think this is in the next episode. Yeah, they get to their they get their report done. And he gets then, shut down before that though. Like, mm. and what's his face? The out of town guy just publishes it anyway and gives it to the people who need to see it, which yeah. I think was cool because yeah. like a report was published once they get taken mm. off of the case because they were obviously yeah. trying to do their job. And a false report is published, and everyone like looks at it and it's like, "Oh, that's so good that the yeah. cops we've, are great." Thank God we've stopped corruption now. And then this dude just does it on his own anyway. Yeah, and that like that could be a movie oh, in and of itself. I, I love, would love just that, that they're regular Joes. They're just three unlike three unlikely <laughs> heroes who just like they don't they don't win they don't solve it, but it's so it feels so good to just watch this unstoppable tide of just depravity essentially mm. just hit these three immovable rocks of you know we're not going to beat the wave but we're also not going to move from this this position and yeah heartwarming 
It is heartwarming. And interestingly, just nothing to do with the four main characters. It's just a side plot we go off and do, but essentially. It's, I th- it's a very interesting side plot. Yeah. And the only way it's sort of like tied into the story is that the the, like, the papers have enough to know about the corruption stuff. So mm. Benny sort of like implicates uh, Geordie mm. by planting all the pornography and stuff. And then they, oh, yeah, they right. get a fall guy and Geordie goes to jail. Yeah. Yeah, they get yeah. yeah. You get you get the bad apple out, and that's Benny's done that as revenge for Geordie's affair with Julia. Yeah, kind of, but I think as you, Barrett, as, Barrett would have done that regardless. Yeah, though. you've got your fall guy. Yeah, and if anybody does anything to like, and at the end, Nicky's back at his parents' house, and they find the machine gun, and they really don't cope well with that. Oh yeah, because all his anarchist friends get arrested after shooting a building. Yeah, with they, their little machine. Gun. Yeah, they, they they machine gun like an embassy or something. I think it's the Spanish embassy. Yeah, that'll teach them. I mean, not to decry activism, you know, get out there and have a go, lads. But yeah, I'm not sure what machine gunning an embassy is particularly going to do. Uh, and yeah, and they all immediately get arrested. And yeah, and his parents find the gun. And just, oh, how embarrassing would that be? If your parents find you, you're, you're trying to be an anarchist. You're in your twenties now, <laughs> and you're back home with your mum and dad, and they find your gun, and, then, and they're like, "You are not having this back." You're like, Mom, I just want to be an anarchist. That's all. That's, that's one machine gun. I got to stick it to the man. I got a machine gun. Another embassy, please. <laughs> like no. And so I then, never shot it yet. Yeah, and he leaves, and he goes around to Mary's house, and just sort of breaks down yeah. with and her because I think that then his this whole sort of you, like it's like that when you're younger, you're just trying personalities out, and he's <laughs> trying out the anarchist personality for a while. It's like it's not working. I can't do this one, and he has to just let it all crumble, and just you know pick yourself up again. Um, and then her her brother dies in that one as well. Yeah. So that episode pretty good. Good episode. Um, I reckon it's I l- third. Oh, no, I, th- I think all the c- the corruption investigation does all happen in this one, and it, it, it's it's quashment happens here as well. Oh, that's right. So and so that 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 puts it pretty high for me. So you want to put that two or number one? Is that the best episode we? I'll ever be honest. Seen? I'm I'm gonna be losing track of what happens in each of them. So let's say it's two. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Episode five. Moving on. 1974. 1974. 1974. Um, Minor strike. Oh, I thought, because this one has like actual corruption being investigated by the police, like proper. Yeah, well, there's this sort of a new broom at the Met. Yeah. There's a new guy in charge. They're actually letting people go. And we're going to. Yeah, wrapping their fingers. Yeah, an old, um, old, old, old meanie face gets gets kicked out. You damn Schofield. Right. You damn right he does. New Please. room at the Met, and yeah, old Schofield's out. Schofield's done with. Yeah. Um. So they're actually cracking down on the corruption. It yeah. took them four years. Yeah. But they're doing it. Nikki now also, and that's why there's no corruption anymore. Nikki's now. Well, there's less, I'm sure. Nikki is now also in a tower block. The miner strike is on, and so there's electricity restrictions, and so they are turning all the lights off at like eight o'clock at night and stuff, which was which was pretty eerie to see. Georgie, uh, Geordie's still in uh, in in prison. He has that weird dream about hugging Barrett and then shooting him. Uh, Barrett's ba- Barrett's left. He's overseas. He's over in Spain or something. And old uh, old Donald Donald Sumter goes to visit him to be like, "What are we gonna 
what we're going to do about this. Uh, Eddie Wells runs in another election and loses it entirely. Uh, Mary started a law degree, still with Tosca. And after a while, Geordie gets out, gets out of prison. And he goes back to his old flat and there's a beautiful lady there. So he, he lucks out immediately on leaving jail. <laughs> um, but we are already, already in this, you're seeing he's starting to become more dysfunctional. Yes. He's he's now pretty traumatized by everything that's that's happened to him. And he says how he, he didn't get a visitor for three years. The whole time he was in there. Could you imagine that shit? So send Nikki a letter. Yeah, like Come on, Nikki would have visited you. Nikki probably didn't know. No, it's the seventies. You just didn't know where people were. Oh. Have you heard from Blah Blah for a while? No. Are they dead? They you, know, could be. you know where Nikki's parents live. You can send him a letter there. Yeah. And they'll get it to him because they'll know where he is. Yeah. But yeah. But he probably, you know, he didn't didn't feel like he could he he could do that. No, he was losing his way while he was in prison. Yeah. And and he gets out and he basically is like hell bent on killing Barrett because Yeah, and he just kind of loses it at that girl's apartment. He's apologetic, but he he can't He's not going to pick up where he left off in terms of his life. I'll, I'll get some money to pay for the carpet. Yeah. And then she's like, it's not mine. <laughs> um, and then there's uh, finally we have our sort of big fight between Tosca and Mary. Yeah. Where, you know, he's saying he always pays for anything. He always pays for everything. Yeah. And so just that age old thing of not acknowledging anything she does in support of their family as work of any kind <laughs> and the and his sort of financial contributions being kind of i mean you know admittedly a very necessary component but as far as he's concerned the only thing that the only thing that matters and they finally sort of acknowledge the mistakes they've made mary says we we were too young well we didn't we we didn't know who we were and we chose the wrong person mm. yeah and also, when you got pregnant in those days, you had to get married. You did. Or run away to London to become a criminal. <laughs> like in a Dickens novel. And, uh, yeah, it's this, again, sort of revealing Tosca's attitude towards everything as very self-interested and transactional. You know, his, Even his marriage is basically like a business dealing, and he feels like he's getting a raw deal on his... Uh, on, the, on, the, on the business plan. Yeah. I wonder if there's anyone else we can think of who seems to view everything as, as as a deal and yet has attained a sort of bizarre level of success despite their incredible, like, incredibly n- numerous and deep pers- and visible and explicit personal flaws. I've think about that one. Um, <laughs> okay. L- the, there's. Um, Eddie's Eddie's running for election again, and there's and a it's... bit of heat about people. People are throwing shade at him in the in the newspaper. He catches beef with the Labour. He's running as an independent. That's what it is, yeah. and he catches beef with the Labour candidate, who basically has a go at him for his alcoholism and saying that that is why his like wife and daughter died in a in a car accident or something. So pretty pretty heavy stuff. Bleak. Yeah. And then Eddie ends up winning anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but Eddie... Eddie um, they do like three recounts. Eddie wins. <laughs> and there's lots of nice politics here where Mary's in with the Labour Party, and so she she wants Eddie to win, but she can't support him. Yeah. And, um, 
And I, I like that it ends basically with Geordie coming back to Newcastle hmm. and like just happening upon yeah. the party. That it's like, what's, what, what's the party? It's like, we won an election. Like, what election? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I think one of the one of the things that gives this thing power is showing all these politics that are going on, but then showing people that don't know anything about the politics, mm. aren't following it, but are still affected by it and still contribute to it in these sort of indirect ways. Um, um, also in this, I think Nikki and Mary sort of like become closer. Yes, they make they get they get a little bit closer to one another, mm. um, and like rekindle a friendship. Yeah, Austin Austin finally gets arrested, and it's cool because he like knows he's going to get arrested, and he can see it coming a mile off, and he sort of visits Nikki to kind of say goodbye, mm. and interestingly again like as the final sort of coda to the ambiguity of this character in this conversation he tries to persuade nikki to rejoin the labor party indicating that he has had a sort of moral code the the whole time his attitude has been kind of like he doesn't see the things he's done wrong as as morally wrong it's kind of like well you know mistakes happen when you're you know doing big things yeah and you know with 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 great power comes great fuck-ups and so then that's just sort of par for the course. But, you know, the arc of history bends towards justice kind of thing. Um, but then, he, and then he says, you know, don't don't forget to visit us. Just sort of knowing that he's going to go to prison soon. Because <laughs> um, it's all it's all coming out, you know. Um, at this, uh, Barrett comes back from Spain and the cops arrest him. Yeah. Well, Geordie attempts the most disorganized assassination <laughs> ever where he well, is he just got, he got he got he got, he got put into jail he is just running he's around so soho looking hair. sweaty and panicked holding a gun <laughs> hiding obvious very visibly in different places i like the trying to get into following the bar, barrett but you don't have a tie yeah, so trying to steal a tie. Yeah, and goes and like nearly murders someone else to get their tie. Runs <laughs> back, and he's just about to shoot Barrett when he finally gets arrested by the police. The actual fuzz. Yeah. In turn, Barrett. And I was very nervous here because I, I thought Geordie was gonna shoot him and obviously get caught or get shot himself. Like, on a, you're on a knife edge with Geordie. This whole show, pretty you much, have. of like. And like all the photos from the cover of the DVD case had been seen for Geordie. I'm like, oh no, that's sad. Yeah, oh he doesn't he doesn't oh, look shit. well. He doesn't look well at all in those later scenes. Um and all of Barrett's tapes come out. Eddie wins that election and then yeah Geordie turns up yeah. back in Newcastle. And Barrett's tapes implicate several of the police officers who were very corrupt and they mm. get arrested before they can retire. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, it was it was comeuppance. As they say. Little bit of comeuppance. I think this one goes about middle of the range. I think so too. This is, this is oh no, that's an awesome, hilariously bad chase scene. Is, yeah, is this better than episode one? Yeah, I think so. I think it is. I, I think we put this one middle. Okay, only four episodes to go. <laughs> Christ. How long have we been talking? Don't worry about it. I'm worried. Well then, well don't be. <laughs> episode 6 1979 it's been five years five years later we open with staying alive playing at the club Tosk <laughs> just just like that Tosca's balding now because time has passed exactly and I like he's he's in the club with with Geordie and he's like am I the asshole 
What? Because he's frequenting London and this basically like, just sleeping around yeah. while his wife is back home with their children. Yeah, him and Mary are now is their relationship is entirely sort of in in on in form on, on forms only. Yeah. And he's like, Am I am I he does have I think this is an important moment for him in a way as a character. It's like everything I do fails. <laughs> and he's has to have a little he acknowledges how just thinks for a moment maybe he's not the best, and yeah, and him and him and Geordie are just hooking up with women and having sort of a, a, a grand old time. Um, but then Tosca goes home and his children don't love him and they don't talk to him and his his whole family life is is a sham, and he starts crying and Mary's like, whatever, mate. Uh, Geordie finds out that Jules has died through the book about the investigations. They've all people have published books about the. About the the scandal, whatever it was. Yeah, she's apparently committed suicide. Uh, Nicky decides to stand as a Labour MP, which was a ter- I knew it was a terrible decision as soon as he made it, because <laughs> I know these people very well at this point. I'm Nicky. I'm like Nicky. I've known you for years, mate. I've known it, you for ten it years. Suit you, bro. This is not. This is you. You. You were. You were machine gunning embassies a couple of weeks ago. This is. This is not a good move for you. Um, and he's. And I like that he's going up against. Uh, the Tory opposition, who's the daughter of Seabrook, who was one of the high up, like corrupt MPs from one of the earlier Claude Seabrook. Mm. It's his, it's his daughter, and they make a good job here of, sh- of not for some reason of having her being like likable and a seemingly honourable person. Yeah, in this, in this, election. in this episode, definitely. And she's just much better with publicity, and just shows how someone who doesn't have the interests of the working class at heart at all <laughs> can just with the right razzmatazz and and branding, um, you know, uh, pull it pull it together. I think in this you, you it's fun in this watching the evolution of the forms of like political language and just like managerial speak come about. Like the world of like Austin is kind of a pioneer of that in-between shady world of consultants and people who no one's really entirely sure what they do, yeah. but they just consult on things. Yeah. On I projects. think it's also a nice way to see how the media affects politics. And like yeah. a very simple way of doing that is like the media, the media immediately knows that Nikki is the bad guy here and she's the good guy. Yeah. Every part of what you see is that's how it's framed. Yeah. And so and she, Nikki she doesn't anticipate this at all. <laughs> like for someone who is ostensibly a journalist of some kind, he seems to have very little understanding of how the media are going to just tear him to shreds <laughs> whenever he gets in front of a microphone. Because like, well, it's going to be about the issues, and it's not about me. It's about the, yeah, but it's never. It's always going to be about you. Um, and they uh, he gets smeared as supporting the IRA. Um, yeah. Geordie just skips town. Because Geordie. the police are going to raid him, he thinks. Yeah, because he's selling drugs. Yeah, yeah, and that actually when... are they in London in this? Because here he's leaving Newcastle. No, he's leaving Newcastle because. But yeah, but I'm not saying so. They've been in Newcastle the whole time. Yes, because yeah. Geordie came north so, after the last yeah. episode. And just Tosca's not leave, not going to London, or if he's just out on the town, in yeah. their town. Um, but Tosca's and Mary's son Anthony is disillusioned by their failing marriage and stuff. Mm. And he ends up in Geordie's apartment with Geordie's gun 
when oh, the cops yeah. raid the apartment. And I'm like, oh, shit, this kid's going to die right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, that would be fucked up. Yeah, the little bits like that where it gets, got a little bit soap opera didn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's always... When he's dancing with the gun, I'm like, is he going to shoot himself? Cause yeah. that's yeah. not going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Or, or at Arthur Fleck, put it down. Yeah, because um, that, yeah, that all doesn't really come to anything. Because, yeah, their son's now like 10 years old. Um, and so, yeah, and Nicky is just doesn't cope with this election well at all. He starts crying. He loses it. He 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 loses obviously, and just leaves and travels to Europe for a while. Um, oh, I and- like that. Um, another thing Anthony does is destroy a guy's garden, but it turns out to be the cop from the last episode who retired at the end yeah. of like, or two episodes ago retired when his the corruption thing cop. didn't work. And mm. then he's also just become friends with Felix, like Nikki's dad, like mm. just ties him back into the story again. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he's because he's he's a, a, a good one. Yeah, he's one of the good ones. And so he starts doing some proper fathering to Tosca's son in the course of like getting him to fix the allotment <laughs> yeah. and just like being nice to him and stuff. Um, and in the course of this episode, Tosca... Uh, basically se- separates from Mary and meets Elaine, who we met in the in the mm. bar, and they and they're having a lovely time together. They get on like a house on fire. He falls in love. He falls in love. Mm. Yeah, maybe for the first a, is time. Is this the episode where they have that really weird sex scene where they know. beep like, at each other? I feel like that's every episode. There is a sex scene between the two of them. We don't see the sex. You see the the foreplay, I guess. Where they're, they're beeping, just beeping at each other for some reason. I don't. I don't remember from that. Bit, opposite but... sides of the bed. Okay. And he's just like, bleep, bleep, bleep. and she's like, bleep, bleep. well, you 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 know how you be when you're you're lost in the mists of love, do you? Yeah. You ever you, beep, never... you ever beeped at someone? Are you telling me you've never done robot foreplay? I've never done robot foreplay, dude. You got to get out there more, man. It's all I'm the just rage. Not cool. I'm just not cool, man. Yeah. If you've never impersonated R two D two in the bedroom, <laughs> you, you haven't lived. Uh, and that, that that's kind of that episode. Uh, Nikki comes back from overseas to sort of see the demolition of the flats. Yeah. And him and Mary become closer again. He says he's only really happy when he when he talks to her. And I guess this episode is kind of I don't know, we're just kind of working along. We're kind of hit, hitting the same points with Nikki's just like Nikki is just always trying something different and none of it works. None of it seems to work for him. They're yeah. all trying something different. Yeah. Except Geordie who just keeps getting like shat on. I think this is the most. This is probably the happiest Geordie is the whole time because well, he's not is... under anyone's thumb. He's just kind of chilling, and he's yeah. not in prison. Well, like this episode is when he gets raided though, and then he goes on the run, and yeah. then we miss him for an entire episode. Yeah. So episode. So I feel like this this one goes pretty low for me on the for ranking. Me as well, I think goes low. Is it at the bottom? But the buildings the... get destroyed, so that's an awesome thing. At the bottom is number three at the moment. Yeah. In which, no, that's got good stuff in it. I think this has to go at the bottom. Okay. That, uh, number six, is at the bottom. Then it's 1984, the bad year from that book. (laughs) Nicky is finally doing all right. He's a photographer. He's got an exhibition up. Thank God something is working. He's become a photographer. He's become a photographer, like proper this time. (laughs) Mary's doing pretty good. She's deputy leader of the local council. Mm Mm-hmm. Tosca basically becomes a stonecutter. 
Yeah. He joins, is it, is it actually Freemasons or just it whatever? It seems like the Freemasons because he like gets indoctrinated and shit. Oh. It's so weird. And because he's like, how how is he rich now? He's with a um, line. He's, was it the grocery store still? He's got something. He's he's now he's now. Oh no, he's a slum. He's a he, he's a slum lord. He, yeah, he's a he owns a couple of pro- properties. Yeah, he's a landlord of slums. Yeah, so the housing policy comes back into it. Yeah, now where Tosca is able to sort of take advantage of it, um, and as he becomes a more sort of like powerful person by dint of his sort of wealth and properties, yeah. the other like this weird is the rich minor people episode in um. Because this is when the fight scenes happen. Because Anthony, this a is cop the big minor strike episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, and where Tosca's little face when he's becoming a stonecutter, like he <laughs> looks, he looks just like a little kid who's very excited to be there, <laughs> looking around. He's like, like oh, do I get a, Oh shit! Oh, really? Go here? Yeah, awesome. Um, it's just such a weird scene, though. Like, yeah. Well, it's just mental that that's what's happening to Tosca. Yeah, I know. His name is Tosca, for God's sake. Do they they oh, no, call him Terry, though. He Elaine, wants to be called Terry now. Elaine decides, calls yeah. him Terry, and he's not Tosca anymore. <laughs> crazy name, crazy guy. Um, And, yeah, and then there's the massive uh, the scene with the, the minor strike. Happens and basically the cops instigate a riot. Tosca and Mary's son is is a, now a police officer and is working on the beat of the miners' strike. I, and, he's, and he's pally with them. He's got a good working relationship with the miners' strike. Yeah, guys. he's he's the good guy cop. But yeah. I like that he became a cop after becoming friends with Johnson, the retired cop. Like, yeah, that's a cool like character thing for him. Yeah, like that's so great. Gave him hope. Yeah, misplaced, but still. Well, eventually misplaced as well. Uh, like all hope is, <laughs> in the. Potential improvement of society over time. Yeah. That's not so, true. Infant mortality's gone down. The minor strike is taking place. Yeah, and the cops all arrive on one one day and basically and just to get a riot. Tensions escalate. One of the shit. locals yells "Bog off!" at the police, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. And yeah, there's a very long riot scene, which would have. It's probably the most clo- the closest we get to an action sequence for the for the <laughs> yeah, show. Probably. Uh, this causes Anthony to have questions about his choice and career because. Yeah. He sees a lot of his cops clearly doing terrible shit yeah. and forces a lot of innocent people to do stuff that they then get arrested yeah. for. Yes, and these locals are now going up in up in court for inciting riots and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and at this point, Mary is a solicitor. So she... she yeah, she's a lawyer now. She's um, hired to defend them. Yeah. And basically, Anthony comes in to save the day at the end. Like, I can point fingers and point like yeah the cops the terrible cops and shit yeah so and he, which he's is now, a super brave thing to do as a young cop yeah clearly and he can yeah he has to give evidence against his yeah. his colleagues and it ends um, up not being necessary like he turns up to do it mm. and they're like we'll take a plea instead so like yeah. only one of the people that was going to jail gets to go to jail mm. the other one gets to go free i'm like that's really shit fucking cops man yeah so he doesn't get that moment of well, he gets Moral that moment of clarity. turning up, but he doesn't have to have anything on this record against yeah. him. Nikki and Mary hook up again. Totally do. They if do. not now, when, they as they the say. Dean. Yeah, it's another very uncomfortable sex scene to watch. It goes from so cute where they're just like, oh, they're finally kissing each other. Yeah. And then it's stop, just... Stop showing this. You don't have... Straight into it. Stop you showing it. You just go to the after bit. You just go to the cuddling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It's not hard. It's just, yeah, there's, we're not getting it. No one's getting anything out of this. <laughs> well, somebody got something out of it. Well, I hope they didn't because it's very unprofessional. <laughs> uh, 
Interestingly, Nikki's parents come back into the story at this point. Youths push his mum over. Oh, um, does that kid come from somewhere before this, or that's when that guy's story just comes into it from that point? It's um, just a guy named Collins who comes. He's he's important later on. A kid named Collins who's living on on the block. On yeah, on the on, on the, the estate, estate, I guess, is causing trouble mm. because his parents are neglecting him. Yeah, and his yes, and his Nikki's dad goes round and. Uh, the girl answers the door and is like, is your mum in? She's like, I am his mum. Yeah. And the da- and the dad comes out and um, is, hor- is horrible and he has his big pit bull. That yeah, it's a Rottweiler. A pit- a Rottweiler. Yeah. And, um, the- and his Nicky's dad basically gets savaged by this uh, Dog Rottweiler. fucking beating the shit out of him by this yeah. This chav. Which is, which is yeah yeah so this is so now chavs have started yeah like 1984 is sort of the birth of chav culture <laughs> and <laughs> this, and this it's sad because twat. i think christopher eccleston talked about this where now you've got his his dad who like campaigned for the working class back in the day and did so much to try and correct this system now these people who are a product of the failures of that system are attacking him oh, yeah so he He's being harmed by know, that's the failures a, that he tried to work against. It's a hard thing to watch is that scene with the dude yeah. yelling at him. I'm like, oh, God. So he's in hospital. Yeah. And we, I think this is the first episode where we get to see a little bit of the, uh, the onset of Alzheimer's coming into him. Yeah, at the end of this, he's sort of like, yeah, the world doesn't, doesn't make sense to him anymore. And he's yeah. just, and he's starting to get, get confused. Yes. And, um, that's the minor strike one. Yeah, and then at the end, Nikki and Mary get engaged. Yeah, and no Geordie the whole time. No criminal. This one has to go at the bottom. Definitely. Um, he's been absent because he went on the run. Yeah, Britain's best actor, Daniel Craig. There didn't, it, and didn't, you didn't even put use him, him in the episode at all. But it is quite, quite an like a smart choice to where you I like get it, to. Yeah, like ultimately. I like the mystery of n- not knowing what happened to force the next episode, yeah, which takes place in 1987. Yeah, because that means we haven't seen Geordie for eight years, Yeah, which gives him time to deteriorate thusly. 1987 takes place. Geordie is now an alcoholic homeless man yeah. with a massive beard. This is the first full Daniel Craig beard that we've got. Chronologically, yes. Yeah. It's a like, but proper full beard. Like, mm. Golden Compass doesn't really count because yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's too compass. chiseled. Yeah. At this point, he is homeless Daniel he, Craig. He's, he's very homeless at this and, point. And my God, it's glorious. And yeah, and I, and I loved it because I didn't pick it at first when they're walking out of the train station. No. I've, but then I was like, it's weird how much screen time these homeless people are taking up and then it's so it's Nikki finds him Nikki's with this fan yeah. of his this hanger on that starts sort of oh Nikki Nikki is married out to Mary it's two years into the marriage and it's he's spending a lot of time away yeah. and he starts an affair with a chick named Alice who is writing a dissertation on his earlier photography work yeah quote unquote <laughs> yeah so he's not quite a successful photographer it would seem and yeah and she sort of starts buzzing around him yeah. and and Nikki just immediately just like fucks everything up like i don't under- i that, didn't like, fully understand this i'm like no. Nikki why 
I think it's just they don't show you what why he's dissatisfied in his relationship with Mary. No, we, I think we haven't seen them together. Yeah, no, I it doesn't. It, I don't think there's any bit of explanation. It's just two years is much too much. Yeah, yeah. He's like, man, I've never had anything for two years, and now I'm afraid. Yeah, maybe it's just. Yeah, I don't but know. But also, yeah, it makes I no just, sense. just, yeah, it was, it's interesting because it makes you not like Nikki at all. Like no. you, you're just a fuckwit at this point. But he's got that nice new honey. Yeah, but Mary, <laughs> the good one from the start. But what about this chick who's writing a dissertation? Yeah, I know. It just, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But it's, it's also he's it's, like in his fifties now. He's like in his late fifties. Oh, I don't think he's late fifties at this point. You don't think? Well. Well, no, because if he's, what, 18 in 64, oh, this is like 23 years later. Mm. So if, he, if he's 20 in 64, then we're early 40s. Okay. But uh, he's graying. He's graying quite a lot at the moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's got some city miles on him. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's a good way to just gently show that he's older without making it weird. And... Yeah, and that yeah that scene where he finds Geordie is so horrible because Geordie can't even like recognize who he is. Geordie is off the planet. Yeah, and, and Nikki's just trying to give him money to say, "Come with me. I'll like I'll get you some help." Because he clearly wants to take care of his friend. Yeah, and but Geordie can't accept that help. I just because he's too he's too he's too far out. Was heartbroken when like Nikki kept coming back, which is a good thing for him to do. Like mm. that's a redeeming quality for the character to have when he's doing something shit in his regular life yeah like trying to find his friend and then geordie's just missing mm. and i don't understand what happened at the end of this episode where like like he loses his way a little bit because he sees um oh uh, what's his what's his, um eddie back on the tv and saying stuff about yeah eddie's because eddie's still in parliament yeah so he, but but not being very effectual, he's kind of he's kind of like ranting against corruption in kind of like a lazy sort of schoolyard way, yeah. kind of like a snipey. He's not taking any sort of systemic action. And he's he's just sort of mouthing off in the in Parliament all the time. And then Geordie, our wonderful Daniel Craig, is in a homeless shelter, sees this sort of like has a episode. Yeah. And then lights fire to his mattress. Yeah, so this like this is a little bit of a stretch, really, that Daniel Craig unless there's like a lot of it's like, been psychostimulant drug use involved, perhaps. Yeah. He essentially like develops some kind of low grade schizophrenia. Mm. Like he's he's not just he doesn't just have al- alcoholism, he's also sort of has has delusions and hallucinations and so he's in a sort of boarding house shelter accommodation yeah and it, like not he, he he's not in the rest of the episode at all he's sort of shown to be homeless and then he comes in at the end and he and he's sort of talking aloud to himself so you know his delusion is that he thinks eddie wells is telling him to set fire to his bed yeah and so he does and he's then promptly arrested and basically has an interview with a shrink yeah. And basically proves that he's sane, apparently. Yeah. And, and goes to court and is given life imprisonment for, for yeah. lighting one mattress on fire. Well, it's arson. Yeah, he's given life imprisonment for arson, endangering the lives of, of whoever. And so here, 
here it gets a little bit like they're just sort of doing like issues bingo of like how how many issues can we <laughs> can we put into the one thing and the other one is just the process of wrongful convictions and the way what? people get just what? minced through the the system in this way so, and like, oh the, the scene yeah. the he should scene. be lucky if it was America they just execute him the <laughs> they acting, don't care how much schizophrenia he has the acting after he gets like given life imprisonment this is very high grade acting that's such good Daniel Craig acting and he just yeah. breaks down this and the then most... behind the door you just hear the so- oh yeah Ooh, Daniel Craig I like we don't Britain's get we actor. don't get a lot of just sad Daniel Craig we don't get else. to see Daniel Craig be weak you get a lot of smooth you get a lot of angry but yeah he's a lot of yeah either yeah mm. strong characters in that mm. they it's good <laughs> so strong that's such Daniel Craig man um but imagine yeah, the shock is, of lighting one mattress on fire and like, yeah, I just did this once, guys. Like, this is the lowest fine. status character he's ever he's ever played. Deaths. And he just sinks into it so, so well. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm surprised there isn't more of this in his filmography. Me too. Far. Me too. So he gets life in prison. And then on the way to prison, the storm of 1987 yeah. comes. So we get to see the car has to stop because a tree's fallen over. Mm. The rest of the prisoners knock down the back door and they all leave. Yeah. He goes to leave. The storm's yeah. too heavy, so he just gets back in the car, which is so yeah. cool. It's like, oh, this is a little scary. So Yeah, I think is it. I don't know if it's like the storm is too big or it's just he doesn't have the wherewithal and willpower in him to affect an escape now. Yeah. Like is he, it just kind of freaks him out to be out in the world. Like the storm, what it... This storm is what just the world seems like to him now all the time. You know, this yeah. is a representation of this is how scary and unpredictable <laughs> and unknowable this world is. So I actually rather get back in the van. But he also escapes. No, he gets well, that's later. So like But in the next episode he's just out. Yeah, but it's a recent thing for him being out in the next one. Like he starts going, I've just got out of prison. Yeah, but how did he get out? It's never explained. Yeah. But he gets back in the car in this episode, but during that storm as well is when Mary comes to visit Nikki in London and is stuck there during the storm as their marriage ends, which yeah. is awkward AF. Yeah. And, then, and is that where she's like, why don't you like yourself anymore? Yeah. And it's, he says, because cause I'm useless. And I'm like, why? Which is, that's sort of the... But you've the, got good photography career, man. Yeah, but I don't, I think, you know... I think that's the thing with Nikki is that's that a he consolation just assumes prize. everything's going to fuck up. Whereas Tosca doesn't assume it's gonna fuck up and it does well i think yeah <laughs> I, I think this episode I, I guess is kind of about nikki's ego which has gone kind of unacknowledged in the other episodes where yeah definitely. yeah he has a he has a, a moral desire to see people's lives improved but at the back of that there's also he wants to be the one to do it he wants to save the world and he's yeah. been fr- and he's wanted he's to save complex. yeah he's got a bit of a hero complex and he's wanted to save the world in all different ways and yeah he's a famous photographer now but that's not really scratching the itch of being a big hero and that's yeah. why so that's probably why he starts this affair with this sort of a this sort of this adoring who sycophant. clearly looks up to him because he's possibly her hero yeah um, although she seems to very much emotionally outgrow him by the end of their De- relationship, like within 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 ten minutes of footage, she's she's, she's, like, she's definitely doing much yeah, better we, than he is by the end. There, we did what we needed. I got what I needed. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, you woman want to conquests, and uh, yeah. So the fact that even he, you know, he's in this happy relationship and he has a career, 
he can't be satisfied with it. So mm. he's an ultimately sort of tragic figure in that way. And also during the storm, Eddie, who resigns in disgrace after um, finding out that his assistant was like a spy for a PR firm of some kind, yeah, so he, has a heart attack and dies Yeah, in the street. There's a big storyline with him that Nikki finds out about. Yeah. In that, I like that in this where Eddie is uncovering this quote-unquote corruption or whatever. And Nikki's a journalist and he tells Nikki about it. And Nikki's like, yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, yeah, this stuff happens all the time. No one will care if I publish this. Like, that's yeah. that's where we're at now. Which is where we're at even more so now. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah. um, so, but so it that's, was just sad to see... Because Eddie's been such a good character, felt like he's just a good guy for yeah. most of the whole thing. But he's but he, he's he's of the old world, mm. you know. He's of he's of a, a different a different just time. See him in struggle with all those papers. Oh. Yeah, and then Filch is a, just gone. Then then he's then he's gone. Um, uh, also, during this episode, Mary, oh not Mary, um, Elaine has convinced Tosca to sell all of the properties that they own and just buy stocks. When Tosca's original plan was, we're going to sell them all and buy a couple of pubs and go into the karaoke business. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just the smartest decision straight away because that definitely takes off. And like, they could be... But <laughs> well, she's like, a... nah, you got to buy stocks. Yeah, because he's like a full-on slumlord at the beginning of this. Yeah. And at the beginning of it, with like DOS houses and stuff. Mm. And they have a conversation at the beginning where he's pitching his idea of how they can... Base, it's kind of complicated, but it's, it's another big housing policy conversation. But it's again just but like it's about the ethics of how he <laughs> would be kind of depro- he'd be kind of fucking over the public housing system yeah. by getting money out of people, and by so, giving people mortgages that they'll never be able to pay back. But ultimately, he gets the money somehow. Elaine, in a good way, convinces him to just buy stocks. Because that's how they're going to spend their money and make money now. And then the yeah. market just crashes straight away and they lose everything. Guys, it's not that hard. <laughs> just read The Barefoot Investor. He's getting, exactly. Getting he knows what's up. Diversified sh- share portfolio. You buy into stocks that are spread across many different stock options. So they rise and fall with the market. So as long as you have enough liquid equity outside of the market, even if there's a little big crash, if you can afford to wait five or ten years, it will always come back and ultimately be higher than where it was when you put the money in. <laughs> So they lose everything. You don't play the market because then you're just at a casino. Yeah. You, they lose everything and the episode pretty much ends with them deciding, yep, we're going to go into... I guess we'll buy some pubs. I guess we'll buy some pubs. Yeah. And shoot to eight years later then. Well, okay, so what do we think about this episode? Uh, I want to put this episode... Oh, we get some good Daniel Craig though. This is some great Daniel Craig. I think it's near the top. I think this would be third. Third? Makes no sense and doesn't matter. Makes no sense and that could be the byline for this show. (laughs) Makes no sense and doesn't matter. Um, On the final episode of Our Friends in the North, we catch up with our friends in the year 1995. Still in the North. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) They're technically to the north. Previously. <laughs> to, to, they're to the north of the south. <laughs> but they are to the south of further north. So think about that. What even is directions, really? Our friends. Okay, so... Nikki's episode... mom is dead. The episode opens... <laughs> Sorry, we've been doing this a long time. <laughs> um, with Nikki having returned home from living overseas. He's been yeah. in Italy. His mother has yeah. passed away. Good choice. I love. I can I just say I love that for him. Good choice. 
definitely oh, go and live in, in Italy. In the last episode, in the last episode, Collins, the dickhead who. Oh yeah, we missed a whole bit. Um, Collins, the dickhead who um, beat up his father and sucker Rottweiler's son. So yes. Collins is the kid. He's like an 11-year-old kid. Yeah. And now Collins has grown up and has a son. And during this episode, uh, Anthony, who's the cop, is chasing somebody who's got a gun and like has presumably stolen a television or whatnot. Yeah. Turns out that's Collins. And Collins has a little siege, like a siege in his mm. home yeah. to which he points a gun at the cops, gets shot in the gut, doesn't yep. die. But no. the son from that episode is now important again. So that's like... That's like three generations in three episodes. Yeah. Like really quick. Yeah. What's mental is the, the son is played by the same actor in both these episodes and they're eight years apart. The six-year-old and then the 13-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still him. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so there's sort of more... That's where it gets more sort of soap opera where they, they just keep folding in more and more characters that are... But like they, like, this, they, like the, they intertwine the, a lot more, and I yeah. think maybe because this, this, these, these bits take place after the original play, mm. so this is like yeah. adding things like this but, is yeah. what's happening in the housing estates now. Yeah, the 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 multi the multiplicity of the different ways the injustices of society sort of ripple out through different different people's lives is very much sort of mm. you know very kind of effortlessly sort of portrayed. But yeah, it's like it's like. It's like the bit in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna reveals himself, but instead of Krishna, it's like injustice related to housing policy. Sure. Uh, so Nikki's mum's dead. And there's a nice voiceover of her, like, uh, like a postcard she obviously sent to him like mm. a long, a long time ago. Might have a bit of those when she says, "We got the photos back from the chemist." <laughs> when chemists are really grasping at straws for what to do with themselves. <laughs> um. So she's she's passed. She has passed. Nikki's dad, Felix, is living in a home. Yeah, he's was it was he or he was he, he was got he put in a home, home in the last yeah, episode. Yeah, she was like, I can't handle yeah. this during anymore. the seizures. The seizures when he's like, she's mm. like, I can't handle it because the gunshots sort of like send him over over the edge, and he slaps her around a bit. Yeah, he really starts to freak out and doesn't even know sort of mm. who she is. So that's. Um, that's how like they tie it into. That's those all characters sad, well. and his and his character going through that, I guess, is sort of representing a way which the, the just things being lost into the into the past in the in the mists of time, like it will, his knowledge and experience is just is vanishing, even though he's he's still yeah. there, and we're and because condemned to relive it because Nikki returns home now after presumably being gone for a few years. Yeah, um, he's sort of like has that realization that he may have failed at knowing his dad while he could and tries to make that up by discovering that his dad has always thought himself a failure from the Jarrow marches from ages ago. Yeah. So this, this episode is about Nicky really doing too little too late when it comes to his, his relationship with his father. It's like, it's, it's horrible because it's not Nicky having any kind of realization or breakthrough or clarity. It's really just him going through the same cycle again he's just doing another round of trying to find you know trying to be unassailable validity in some kind of political action and by now he's he's driven to maybe it was the jarrow march and it was and it you know and that that, did help yeah 
And yeah. maybe he did or maybe he didn't, but he can only access that through its acknowledgement by his father, who, for whom it, it, it's too late because he's, you know, he's 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 trans he's transcended all of these things and is moving to the the mansions of rest. Yeah. Um. But all and pretty much close to the start, we meet. We find out that Geordie has escaped prison. Yeah. And he meets a little kid who tries to rob him, and he's is like, he... "I ain't got no money. I just escaped from prison." Is he? He, he, he says he escaped. From he prison. says he cool. escaped to All the right. kid because that was that was what it was in my mind. But the whole episode, I was like, "You are not trying very hard to, <laughs> to be on the run." Yeah, no, because he goes in like Tosca's pubs have obviously obviously worked out, and he's opening in a nightclub on a boat, yeah. a massive boat, yeah, like too big for a nightclub. <laughs> for some it's reason, a, it's amazing the degree to which this. This show makes you have an affection for like such such flawed, in many ways, horrible people. But I think what that is, is it's the way you can, it's the same affection you'd have for people you've known all your life. Yes. Like if you've known someone since you're 18, now you're in your 40s, yeah, they might be a bit of a dick and they've done some horrible things, but <laughs> it's blah, blah, blah. You know, like you're, you're going to still spend time with them just because... Just because so much time has gone by, and now exactly. we've spent so much literal and narrative time with them, <laughs> you know, you're happy to do it. So he's very disheveled. He's got awesome glasses now, oh, and his skin only, is so like probably blotted. Only Daniel Craig glasses, quite possibly. Yeah, yeah, pockmarked skin. It's he eats chips out of the bin. Ah, uh, it's it's just which makes me want to cry. Glorious acting from Daniel Craig, pe- Britain's pe- best actor. People who people who are hungry and looking for food i can't handle as well it's sad it's sad yeah 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 and unnecessary yeah and yet inevitable apparently um he meets a kid a kid whose name is sean um you'll never guess and it turns out that that's the kid from the dude who got shot in the last one who's also the kid from the fucktard who beat up felix's dad and the one before that yeah it all comes around and this kid is a big part of this episode yeah so this kid um anthony who's still a cop at this point anthony is like trying to help this kid good actor i think he does great um trying to help this kid because this kid is causing shit tons of problems on his estate this this kid can jack a car in five seconds he's pretty talented he is be as like and never mind like, gone in let's 60 say, seconds like three foot tall gone but in five capable seconds. of driving a car <laughs> yeah yeah he's not even sitting on a cushion and he can't speak english um because well he's speaking english he speaks with terrible english what well, accent is that though uh, i actually can't remember now i think he's i think he's just doing a really strong geordie accent it's just so hard which is different to uh newcastle on time yeah. accent it's Sub- just somewhat subtly, but um, um, but I also think it's that's not the kid's natural accent, which is making it a little harder as well to get in. Yeah, yeah. but like it's awesome, it's so cool, and to see everyone yeah. else with different the accents and then the job. kids just like straight in on it. Got so much attitude. Um, so Jordy um, sees the kid. The kid drives off, and then basically we find out that the kid's been causing trouble on the estate, and the whole estate wants his family moved on. Mm. And Anthony's trying to stick up for him, being like, that's not how it should be handled. Like, there's got to be a better way to do this. But Mary, who's now city councillor, she's like, well, maybe it's the parents' fault. Like, yeah. we should just talk to the parents. And he's and she's like, it's like good parents make good children. And Anthony, who's obviously had parents... Of a, of a sort. Of a sort. And Mary is one of them. 
mm. who's just very, very disheartened by this comment. And like, yeah. that's their relationship, like in the episode. Yeah. They, and they have like a, a town meeting with some of the, <laughs> some of the citizens who are being terrorized by Sean Collins, yeah. Mary and um, Anthony. And yeah, there's a lot of very sort of quite on the nose conversations about, you know, it's not the kid's fault. It's the, it's the parent's fault or it's not the parent's <laughs> fault. It's the community's fault. And it's, the blame is shifted the difficulty so of how and who to blame for this for yeah. this situation because apparently blame um, is necessary. Uh, yeah, well, to try to figure out where to um, where to uh, where to focus your intervention, but yeah, yeah, the people are saying that kid is evil. Well, there's no such. You can't it's be, not a kid. Like, and Anthony holds up a photo of a kid. He's like, is he is he evil? It's mm. the same kid. And like, yeah, oh, that's yeah, like that's a hard scene. And like seeing Anthony stand up for him is really cool. And then seeing Anthony's next decision is real shit. Where he's like leaving his family now because yeah. my parents were shit. And turns out, so am I. Yeah. So th- th- there's this sort of climax night towards the end where there's yeah. the, is the opening of Tosca's boat club. Oh, yeah. And, and Geordie's been and given the chance to play piano there for him. Yeah. So, so Mary's on her way to that when Anthony turns up mm. and basically says that he's leaving his his wife and family and says some really shitty things he does <laughs> uh, says exactly what mary said was like we were we were too young when my when i my wife and i got married um and uh, he says it says it's her fault he says it's all mary's fault <laughs> and she gives it back to him she's like i thought you had more self-respect than that and that's and a cool like line that. that's awesome um, um but he just says you but he just says you were I didn't want didn't want all of your sacrifice, you know, you were just never happy and if you'd been happy. And it's like A He said she's been a martyr for his for her whole life. Yeah. And it's tough because on the one hand, that's a true thing to say to your mum, don't put all your decisions on her, you're responsible for your own life. Exactly. But also, if you are a martyr your whole life, that will affect the way your children grow up. So, you know, you can that like it's like you can inadvertently and in ways you can't control and in ways you couldn't even anticipate affect people's lives be a bad parent yeah whilst also being a great parent you can be a great parent in 15 ways and be a bad parent in another way and that will that can still have an effect yeah but still even if you are a bad parent in 16 ways it's up to that kid to to find the right way to follow yeah yeah you can't isn't you can blame it on your parents all you want but then you'll just end up um working for working for barrett imagine that uh so meanwhile tosca's opening his nightclub yeah and they're getting a band to play and the band doesn't have a pianist so tosca's like oh i guess i'll do it (laughs) and have his nice nice chance to start him yeah and elaine is so fucking sick of his (laughs) shit so Geordie um, turns up and can actually play the piano. Yeah, Geordie like, just kind of stumbles upon them. Yeah, he just like walks onto so the boat. Cool. You got any work like? You got any rooms? And Elaine recognizes Geordie. Yeah. Um and then so Geordie's given the opportunity to play, which is fantastic. They give him a, a room in their house to yeah. stay in. And which he, is like so And he nice. has to sleep on the floor oh. like he's a prisoner of war or something. <laughs> well the bed's too soft. And yeah, well, it, to be honest, it does look like an uncomfortably soft and overly furnished room. It I looks like say. a very room that just come from the 80s, like a house that was rich people in the 80s and now still live in. Yeah, like a grand, yeah. a sort of grandmotherly room where everything's crochet. Yeah, so you but can't there's feel a like you bed. can touch it. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it's a house yeah. that's too clean. Yeah, and they're sort of like ceramic, like just women in dresses. You know <laughs> those ones? <laughs> yes. Things that should be in fountains but aren't. Yeah, and there's, a, and there's a chest of drawers in the guest room, but all the drawers have stuff in them, like Christmas tea towels and things. You can't put any of your shit in there. <laughs> and like just just eight plates that they got for their birthday 10 years ago. And they got for their wedding. And that's just the drawer those plates go in. Still in the box. <laughs> Still in the sort of weathered box they've been put in and out of. So Geordie's there, and the next day he meets up with Nikki. Yeah, Nikki, before yeah. he goes to the thing, and they go have a drink. And whilst at the bar, Sean walks in mm. and says to his dad, Hey, mm. and his dad starts yelling at him for no reason. And then Nikki's yeah. going off to the. So they got Nick, Nikki and Jordy are going to go to the. They're having, they're, they're having, it, they're having some drinks, and then they're going to go to the, the boat club. The, the nice thing that happens before that, though, is Tosca is going to be playing the keyboard. Jordy shows up. He's obviously much better. Yeah. And Tosca agrees to let him do it. So he's taking the hit of this guy who's is very much still off the street. I'm going to let him be in the band on the open out of my club. But also he's giving up the limelight. Yeah. And him. doing something for his friend. Yeah. Like, so weirdly, that's kind of Tosca's redemption in the story. It is. It's cool. It's, he he it's recognizes... Good. I'm not that good at this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let gonna let Geordie do it. He makes a decision um, for somebody else. Yeah, and like so it's, th- it's so a now cool you're like, moment. Oh, it's gonna be great. Geordie's gonna get to play the piano, and it's all gonna be fine, and He's everyone's so gonna love him again. Oh. But then in the bar, Sean Collins is come and 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 he is trying to just talk to his dad and his yeah. dad is just furious that he's there because he's an absolute cunt and is trying <laughs> is, wants him yes. to. And it's just telling him to fuck off. And this is just triggering everything for Geordie Joy. from episode one. Mm-hmm. This scene happened for him in episode one. And, and so Geordie pleads with the father Geordie to just, just talk to his kid and just yeah. spend some time with him. Yeah. To which the father then just headbutts Geordie in the face. Yeah. And I like that none of this works. Like there's no like that it doesn't do any like fairy tale ending to any of this. Like no. any redemption any of these characters get is small and piecemeal and partial yeah you know like that's um, an awesome thing for geordie to try to do like like that's a cool moment yeah, but it doesn't but doesn't work out no the no one benefits from it and especially the kids sort of benefit from it from like having that moment with geordie before he leaves to go home and yeah like, that's but fucked up then the but from there the kid is so upset he goes and steals a car yeah and drives it really fast and crashes and dies and so that's the end of sean collins and at this point then Mary has just had her fight with Anthony, who says, don't try and tell me how to be a parent. Like, don't try and tell people how to be a parent. Then she gets a call that Mm. says Sean Collins is dead, to which she breaks down and cries. Yeah. I'm very nervous that Geordie was going to die at some point here. They they were setting it all up. And then he's out. He's wandering around. He's all bloody. They won't let him into the club. He says, I'm a friend of Tosca. Because no one has a phone. And he's covered in blood. So they're like, obviously not. So he doesn't get to play the keyboard. He doesn't get to go to the party at all. He doesn't get to go to the party at all. And, and I don't under, I wanted I don't like that. I wanted to I want him to, play. to just go to the party <laughs> and just let him have something. But so Tosca gets to have his his moment in the limelight and play piano yeah. with and the it, band and, and everybody well. loves it. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's been the subplot of him having to deal with loads of health and safety regulations yeah, to get cool. off the ground, which is kind of unnecessary. And I so guess. they have their night, and it works out great. And the next morning, 
it's the funeral. And Geordie's there, still got the suit on, but he's like got blood on his nose. Cause, and yeah. Tosca's like looking over at him for the whole thing. Like, where the fuck were you? Yeah, it's fine. Like, I thought yeah, the opening of the club, you kind of thought that was going to be the finale. Yeah. But then that comes and goes. And, and you then... got the funeral of Nikki's mum. Yeah. Which you get some great Christopher Eccleston acting yeah. in addition to the awesome Daniel Craig acting. You know, we've the thing we I think we've left out, we said Nicky was trying to gain redemption with his dad. With his dad, yeah. And so he like he goes to visit him at the nursing home, he shaves him and they go for a walk on the beach and he just starts sort of confessing stuff him stuff to him in the cafe. He says, I just mm-hmm. wanted you to tell me you loved me and things like that. Yeah. And he finds a woman who remembers the Jarrow March from when she was a child. And she and he takes his dad to go and see her, to, to try come. and trigger memories to come up. Yeah, because there's a song that she knows that they sang along the Jarrow March. Yeah, but it's just he's too far gone. Yeah, and that's kind of heartbreaking. And that and that woman kind of says she's kind of the final echo of what Nikki has been working towards. Where um, she says they were, they were singing that song, and it made you realize you had a choice in life. That you could be downtrodden or stand up for yourself. And I've always been grateful for that. So maybe his dad made an impact, at least in some small way, on this woman. But is it like a feature of his psychology? Like this only counts if his dad can acknowledge it. He can't just see that and be happy about it. He needs to like get his dad back in some way. And then his dad just farts. He shits himself. And shits himself. Yeah. And it's... Just sad. Yeah. It's just... Which, you know, I think doesn't take away from the value of what he's found, this woman heard in that song. It's just Nicky confronting his own just mistakes that he's still making in episode nine. (laughs) And then goes to the funeral. Then it's the funeral. And... And he's just crying hard. It's ugly crying again. More ugly, and ugly, like non-English crying. And we how, don't cry this much. How depressing is it that everyone's at the funeral, right? And he gets to the front into his pew and he's the only guy standing in there. Like everyone's mm. just sitting and like in their pews, but he's just on his own because yeah. he has nobody at the yeah. moment because his parents are gone. Yeah. Geordie's nose, nose is bleeding. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Just dabbing at his nose. They all retire to Nicky's parents' house after the funeral. And we get a scene which is the only time you get to see all four of them alone Mm. in 31 years. And it's a nice scene because nothing really happens in it. No, they just have a moment together. To begin with, everyone's there, like all the kids. And you sort of see how... Like Tosca and Mary kind of have a good relationship now. They've got a working relationship yeah. in their family. They've worked out how a family's going to work. See, everyone's reached a certain degree of just homeostasis here. And the, the family life is just sort of bubbling along. And then Anthony doesn't turn up to pick up his wife and kids. Yeah, because he's a he's a he's a useless piece of shit. What a dick. And then everyone kind of leaves yeah, except the four of them, and there's just a, a silence. Daniel Craig. Jordy is on the piano just playing. Uh, what is the song he plays? Oh, it's because as Tosca leaves and it's just Nikki and Mary and they share a moment of silence with each other. And mm. He's playing a love song. And I'm like, yeah, mm. cool. Yeah, and then Tosca and Tosca and Jordy leave. To- well, Tosca leaves. Mary goes. 
Mm. And then Nikki just runs after her. And Jordy just lets himself out. <laughs> yeah, Jordy's like, okay, well, I guess I'll fucking go as well then. What What do you think about this this last bit? The where, chase after her? Like, like, what I didn't expect the series to end with was a Richard Curtis run across town, you know, quote unquote, to the airport I'm, to confess your love. I like that it's just like, look, can we spend a time together at some point? And she's like, yeah, why not? And then he's like, no, I want to do it now just to see if it works out. And that's cool. But mm. I also love that Christopher Eccleston does an awesome, like, run where you can't run. Like, because he's got the fat belly on. Yeah. And he's just, like, it does hobbling and, and she's, sweating profusely. And she's in a car. She drives. But he figures out how to get in front of her by just, like, parkouring through Newcastle. Yeah, he takes shortcuts and, along and the side gets street. up at the front. And there's like, if not, if not now, then when? And she's like, okay, we'll spend today together, I guess. Meanwhile... Then Tosca's on the boat again. partying at the boat. And Geordie's just walking across the Tyne Bridge there. And you think... And you're like, okay, what's he going to do? And he just walks away. Yeah, he just sort of... And that, that's the last shot, isn't it? That's it's the last shot. Geordie is him just walking, walking away. away. And the then what's the it series. like? That song that um, Don't Look Back in Anger starts. Don't Look Back in Anger yeah. plays, which um, was that is pretty cool. They, they, they chose it ahead of time, but in... At the time this episode aired, they'd released it as a single and it was number one. Ah, cool. So when this episode came on TV, Don't Look Back in Anger was number one in the charts. <laughs> so it's just like the final cherry on the cake of this cultural <laughs> artifact being absolutely of the time. I realize what I what is so good about this is it's a thing called sociological storytelling. Yeah. So you can have sociological or psychological. And the classic example of this is um, there's a good uh, YouTube essay about it where it's uh, Game of Thrones, which starts off being sociological storytelling where it's about people in particular contexts and institutions and hierarchies and mm-hmm. responding to those and, and, and interacting with those. The story isn't driven by the psychology of particular individuals. You're watching the unfolding of a more fully elaborated and complex situation yeah and that's very much what what this is the story isn't the story of it kind of is but it's not at base it's not a story of the decisions the characters make the real story is the environment around them and how that changed over 30 years and game of thrones got shit when they um stop stop thinking about that yeah because when they didn't have the books to go off they just reverted to your standard vampire diaries hollywood psychological storytelling <laughs> which is like not bad in and of itself but then we're like this isn't what we came here for yeah you know um like good uh like chernobyl i think is a good example of that like sociological where it's like this the situation is the story not what the characters are doing mm. the characters bring it alive but it's not the characters are your window to see the situation happening yeah it was a good show man and that's why contagion is bad in my opinion as in the film Contagion. Yeah, because it's a film that should be sociological, but they just choose to say, no, it's fine. This one woman made this courageous decision and now we have a vaccine. And then this one other woman got kidnapped and blah, blah, blah. That's not what's interesting about this. The story of that pandemic isn't these six people. But it is in terms of that film. Uh, yeah, but it's not a great film. Thank you. Um, where, does, where does episode nine go? Episode nine, I think, is the. I think it's the best episode, actually. Really? I think everyone does such great acting. Like everybody gets moments to do some acting. I don't feel like I can put it at number one. Where do you want to put it? Let's put it. 
I kind of want to know where we're going to put the show. Oh, yeah, fuck it. Let's put it at one, as if it matters. Our friends so, yeah. in the north. Our friends in the north. A couple of things I'm going to add in here. Okay. There's there's a poem I thought of. <gasps> you wrote a poem? No. Oh, okay. Um, Why ain't you be writing poems? It's... What's actually called? Oh, this 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 be the verse Isn't it by Philip Larkin. Yeah, familiar? Nope. Okay. Is it a long one? No. <laughs> they fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were fucked up in their turn by fools in old style hats and coats, who half the time were soppy stern and half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Philip Larkin, very famous, very great poet. And I think that's... That that's sums kind up the of, show pretty good. Yeah, doesn't yeah. it? That, that's mm. kind of what's going on in the background of this show the whole time where it's the, uh, the, the question of this show is, is that poem true? You know, or <laughs> the answer is of there... the show is, yes, that poem's very true. Kind of it is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, weirdly, but, you know, the world just kind of goes on. Um, and, yeah, it, it's great that it's so long, I think, in a way, because... You you really start to feel that pointlessness and the repetition of like oh, is this is like is this of like how long how long life is and how much things can change if you give them enough time you know yeah. how much people can change it's like is this what being old feels like where do you want to um put it in the list well for anyone who's interested our final ranking there <laughs> the ep- the episodes. From best, from worst to best, are seven six three one five eight four two nine. Okay, <laughs> so there's that. Now, as you guys probably know, because you're patrons, we're not ranking Daniel Craig's films individually. We're creating an overall ranking from best to worst films and TV shows and other things. So this is going near the top, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, it's going pretty near the top. Definitely starting near the top. Shall I start at the top ten? Yep. Better than Infamous. Yep. The Jacket. Yeah. The Power of One. I think so. Yeah. The Trench. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd give that, definitely. Some Voices. Yes. Yeah, because this is like Some Voices plus a bunch of other stuff. Mm. So much Craig. See, this this one is cheating because you get so much Craig because it's <laughs> 10 episodes. But you also don't get enough Nine Craig. episodes. Yeah. Layer Cake. I do think this is better than Layer Cake. Enduring Love. I think this is better than Enduring Love. It's yeah. cheating. This is cheating. <laughs> Road to Perdition. I think this is... Hmm. What do you reckon? Do you think it's better than Road to Perdition? See, now our rating system is really breaking down because... Because Road, Perdi- Road to Perdition is pretty good. Yeah, but now this... But it also but this, tells such a different story. And this thing is 10 hours long, so it's got so much more time to... The tell stuff. I don't think this is... I think Road to Perdition is better made. And it's a better story. Like, it's so short and, like, concise. And it tells everything it needs to in such a short amount of time. Road to Perdition is good Craig. It is good Craig. Would you like this to be second in the list? So you think Munich is better? I think Munich is better than this. 
But I also think Casino Royale is much better than this because. So could this be third? Yeah, I think so. Fuck. I think so. I think so. Do you think yeah. Phoenix better than this? Um. Well, it's weird. It's, this is obviously better, Craig. This is, but yeah. just the the sort of unparalleled sleek professionalism of the Spielberg blockbuster has to count for something. It does. You know? Yeah, that's not made by BBC. No. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is this is probably Daniel Craig's best performance. Like I think number it's number one in terms of Daniel Craig. Yeah. Because Casino that. Royale, like you know, you're not getting an Oscar for acting. Like you're doing a great <laughs> bond, but but in this weird ranking system third Bam. shit well people recommended we do our friends in the north mm. and we were not disappointed for quite a long time like a long time what like we were we not disappointed to... for a very long time this is this yeah even this, this, this long episode, episode is long it's all just on Patreon. <laughs> okay. But the patrons will listen. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. We will be back with another Patreon episode very soon. Bye. If you want a DVD of Our Friends in the North, I have two of them by accident, so I will happily send you one. <laughs> Yay. Okay. We're going to do the social media stuff, nope, do we? we did that at the start. No, I didn't. But this is also Patreon thing. They know it. You guys get it. You you guys are Craig Keystadors to the core. Core Craig Ke- Okay, that's enough. Okay, bye. <laughs>